Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the uh, Tuesday night edition of the Sea Report here over at um, the foxhole.app as well as Clout Hub and uh, the Twitch. Let's not forget about that one now. Um, hope you guys are all doing well tonight and everything is uh, going well in your world. It's been a uh, it's been a nice day, um, you know. Uh, it's been pretty warm outside, pretty warm outside, temperate, a nice little breeze. We actually had storms rolling through last night, or like last yesterday evening, which I found, uh, found kind of uh, interesting. They kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but uh, all was well today, guys. It's another great day. We got another great uh, news report for you all today. And um, yeah, I hope everyone is doing great out there. Uh, like I said, we are live at uh, Twitch, at uh, the foxhole.app, and also at Clout Hub. And uh, we will see how that goes. Uh, for any of those of you who are interested, actually, um, I did actually get a chance to upload uh, Saturday night's uh, show that we did for Mr. C in the Dark um, over to the YouTube, right? So we're, we're kind of wondering how long it'll be before they strike it down. Let's uh, take a look real quick and see now. For those of you who don't know or don't remember, uh, we actually did a, um, a decoding of Tom McDonald and his music. It was I and uh, one Mr. Aurelius Locke um, over there at the foxhole.app, um, a uh, constant and loyal listener to the show so far. Oh, you know, it's received. It's, it is still up, guys, still up. Now, you can always check out. Mr. C in the Dark's uh, replay over at the foxhole.app or over at pill.net. Uh, but I was just curious because, you know, I mean, yeah, they have a tendency to take down almost anything new that I put up on my YouTube. I'm actually quite surprised that they have not uh, stricken me down completely. But um, all good things to those who wait, right? <laughs> Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, all right, let's see what we got. Um, what do we got going on here today? Uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of um, a lot of a uh, kind of like a dis disparate, disparate. I guess I'm saying that word right. Uh, kind of stories coming out today. Uh, you know, the kind of stories that uh, they have. You know, some nuggets of information, but uh, are not quite the stories that I like to uh, piece together in actual. Um, you know. Um, you know, report line as I run through my reports today. So uh, today we will actually uh, be listening to um, an interview with President Trump. It's one that I had actually promised to you guys um, last week. So this one will be a little bit dated, but uh, interesting enough, uh, you know, uh, there's always little nuggets of information that uh, he tends to say or things that he says differently or, you know, just additional stuff that we might not have heard in a previous um, interviews. For example, um, uh, this interview uh, was with Hugh Hewitt, I think is his name. And um, he, uh, President Trump, actually gave some more opinion and uh, some other information in regards to the Afghanistan army uh, and uh, the former president, or at least the president who flew the coup. Um, and of course, uh, that would be the globalist-backed uh, elitist president uh, that used to work for the United Nations and the World Bank. I heard he got his job back, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Anyways, no, 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 no. Uh, but I mean, what we are still seeing throughout uh, the states, of course, is um, a surge, actually, a surge, believe it or not, uh, in the growing animus against uh, the failed illegitimate joke that is Pedo Joe. And uh, the things that he's 
done to this country. Uh, people are really, really, really starting to turn their back on him. Uh, I mean, whether that is literally, um, as was the case with, I think it was some city workers in one state uh, where when his, it might've been New Jersey, actually. I think that's where he was at most recently uh, when his little like a motorcade drove by, uh, they just, uh, you know, uh, turned their backs on him. Uh, and then we also have what um, a lot of people protesting him, uh, verbally threatening him, um, people chanting against him in the public places. Uh, that's actually, I think it's actually quite alarming uh, to some of these uh, globalist uh, hacks and uh, media people. But at the same time, as we keep saying, uh, these uh, media people and uh, those who used to be, you know, um, uh, illegitimate jokes, uh, like, uh, his, uh, his, uh, his, his, his Calvary, I guess you could say, uh, the ones that spoke out for him and who ushered him into office through, uh, uh, daft lies and, uh, deceit, uh, most definitely they are still, uh, they are still not, uh, endorsing him anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, that's uh, kind of what's going on there in that regard with Biden. And we're just going to go ahead and continue to see that. And of course, the uh, true horror stories of Afghanistan are uh, coming out um, day by day. Uh, it seems like every day there's a new report or a new story, a new humanitarian peril uh, as we see people suffering over in Afghanistan. Um, you know, other stories like we haven't covered here uh, specifically at the Sea Report in regards to Afghanistan. And I think, you know, maybe we'll double back, not circle back, we'll double back on uh, on some of those would be like the uh, unauthorized military and Marine operations that have been taking place over there in their attempt to save um, the American uh, people who were left behind and, and also the Afghanistan assistance, I guess, also. Uh, and then, of course, the continued fallout um, of all of these refugees who are lying about their age and their affiliations, um, and uh, yet somehow managed to have the proper paperwork, uh, but not one American on uh, the planes that are being held hostage now, is what they say, seem to have their paperwork. Um, it kind of makes me wonder if um, maybe they weren't collected at some point when those Americans were at the airport. So I think I heard a story about that too. But anyways, yes, a lot of, a lot of things into that regard. And of course, uh, illegitimate joke Biden's um, continued uh, brain farts and uh, massive failures of the mind and, uh, you know, synaptic connections that continues as well. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that goes. Um, you know, um, he didn't uh, end up going over to California to uh, how you say uh, um, um, campaign for a uh, uh, Gavin Grusom Newsom, but I, I hear apparently Kamala Harris. What the hell? Harris is still planning to go over there. And the question remains, where the heck has she been? You know, like, uh, you know, we, we, we know she went out of town on a trip to uh, what Vietnam and other places, but uh, she's been awfully silent. Uh, you would think a vice president or at least one who hoped to, um, I don't know, maybe one day assume the presidency herself would actually be out there. Um, but I don't know. I guess there's uh, I guess there's more politics behind it than that. Or uh, perhaps they don't want a future president to have the optics of opposing a president. So this way it doesn't look like it was all planned and or orchestrated from the start. That could very well be the case too, if you think about it. But uh, enough speculation on my end. 
Uh, we will listen to the uh, Trump Hewitt interview uh, today. Like I said, it's a little dated, but still vital. Um, there was there was actually um, a brand new interview uh, that he had done, I think, on Saturday, maybe over the weekend. And man, let me tell you what uh, it was over on. Um, what was the name of that show? Hmm, I cannot remember the name of it. Well, the reason why I guess you could say is because um, there are no copies of that interview available whatsoever. And it actually quite uh, ticks me off. <laughs> I looked and looked and looked. I could find you like one minute clips, but uh, a one minute clip does not a Trump, in Trump interview make. So unfortunately, uh, probably in the next day or two, someone will fish it out somewhere, you know, uh, that's usually the way it goes on these. It's, it's on a smaller, um, a smaller broadcasting network. So uh, I'm sure they want to protect their, um, you know, they want to protect their um, coverage and stuff like that. So uh, this way it's all accredited towards them, I guess. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so if I can dig that up, I wish I could find the name of it. It just happened this past weekend um, with a woman I have seen before. In fact, I've seen her do an interview with him before as well. Huh. It'll come to me. We'll figure it out. But in lieu of that, we'll be listening to the Hewitt, uh, Hewitt Trump interview. Uh, then we will also be talking a little bit about um, um, this uh, brand new FOIA dump uh, that landed in uh, the lap of, um, of um, um, an organization that is going to help expose uh, some of the truth behind um, what's going on with the Wuhan lab. Um, very, very interesting. Um, um, a, a group called The Intercept, I guess, or a, uh, a um, uh, what do you call it, an alliance of people who uh, get together and tell the news. They received a 900-page document uh, detailing um, the gain-of-function um, uh, grants that uh, EcoHealth Alliance uh, and then transmitted to Wuhan received. So, uh, that, I'm sure, has been breaking, 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 and a lot of people are talking about that, especially when you think about um, the several rounds that uh, Senator Rand Paul has uh, gone through uh, with, um, with uh, you know, that, that little demon Fauci guy and uh, Fauci's lies about gain of function and all that stuff. I mean, so, yeah, we won't watch those, uh, we won't watch those uh, confrontations again, even though they are actually quite entertaining uh, to see Fauci squirm, you know. But um, for sure, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we will seal the deal uh, with some uh, COVID legal battles that are going around the country right now. Um, as you know, with all of these mandates that are going up, whether it's regarding masks or whether it's regarding uh, the vaccinations, the uh, inoculations, um, there's a lot of fervor around getting it to stop. And uh, I think a focus on kind of what's happening around the world to our brothers and sisters in other countries, um, we don't want to see that here. Uh, so fortunately, uh, we'll be focusing more on stories that um, are about uh, about um, you know the the uh, people <laughs> actually moving forward with these, uh, uh, whether it be a governor, an organization, or um, an attorney general. Uh, people who are actively uh, trying to stop these mandates across the board. So I think it should be a pretty fun night. Uh, like I said, uh, as far as today's news stories, they are just so intermittent. Um, but uh, we rallied up something for you guys to share with y'all. 
And uh, that is how it shall be. So uh, I hope you guys look forward to it and we'll get that rolling and under the way. Um, all right, so let's see what we got going on in the chat today. Once again, if you guys are over at Clout Hub or at Twitch, um, we nestle into the foxhole.app um, chat rooms and uh, kind of check out the, the fun that's going on over there. Let's see who we got joining us today. We got Just V. Happy Taco Tuesday, it says Just V. I'll fix steak tacos tonight. Sounds delicious. Uh, Aurelius Locke, good evening, sir, and welcome to the chat. Um, Aloha, Christina Fontana. Hope you are doing well this evening. Tam Grell, hello, Angel. How are you? And uh, Pilled by the Rabbit, good evening, sir. And uh, good to have you with us. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So let's go ahead and get started with today's report. Oh, hey, AP9889. Just saw you pop in there. I'd say hello before I uh, get caught up in my work here. And from far away as well. Good evening. All right. Sounds good, y'all. Sounds good. <laughs> and I hear people talking about licking things over there in the chat room, right? All right, guys. Okay, let's get started because we got this interview to get uh, underway and then a few other things to consider. Um, now, let's see here. Uh, by way of President Trump today, you know, I often will go to his, um, what is it? His uh, his Telegram account is usually where I'll go to find out any uh, statements that he's released, you know, whether it's endorsements or just, you know, jarring at someone, um, as well as uh, what else do we have here? His In case you missed it moments, he's had a bunch of those lately. In fact, he's even been posting, uh, you know, cartoons lately and uh, other, other types of uh, other types of media. Pretty interesting, pretty entertaining, pretty funny. Good evening, W.C. Cranop. Hey, the Texan, how you doing, sir? And um, so uh, today uh, he actually was, um, he actually had no statements. Um, so I was like, okay, okay, that's cool. Um, I, I did manage to find some stuff though, um, as, as I try to most days. Um, but, you know, actually really going through, um, you know, the headlines, you know, like when you first pop open your internet and uh, whatever, and whatever you're on, they'll have like news or headlines. Like I found it was quite interesting. Uh, they had a bunch of Trump headlines today. And uh, these are coming out of places like um, like uh, MSN, you know, um, and, and other places that uh, they gather their information from. And I was kind of trying to figure out, like, why would they have so many articles about President Trump? So many headlines. And I guess, well, maybe it was a slow news day for them also. <laughs> And they're kind of like, well, at least we know if we put President Trump in a headline, uh, we'll get a click. You know what I mean? And, and it'll help their revenue. So it, it would seem that perhaps uh, these people are still finding ways to uh, make money off of the name of President Trump. And uh, I mean, guys, uh, here's a great example. Uh, one of the headlines said Trump loses weight post-presidency, ditches spray tan for Florida sun. <laughs> Because it's just so important, guys. It's so important uh, for us to talk about the physical appearance of President Trump. Now, admittedly, uh, President Trump has, uh, you know, he has dropped a few pounds, you know. Uh, they say uh, perhaps he's elevated his diet and uh, maybe taken in a few more uh, rounds of golf. <laughs> And that might be helping him from what it sounds. Uh, but I was just like, okay, gee, I mean, like, I think that was actually from the Washington Examiner, Examiner as featured in, like, I don't know, MSN or something like that. But I was like, okay, like, um, here's a here, here's an interesting story for the day. Here's one that will make people want to uh, tune in. 
Um, uh, I was like, okay, I, I guess, I guess. Um, they did have some other more, you know, uh, I guess like um, um, important stories. Uh, uh, and it's always good to kind of see what they're doing out there in the uh, mainstream media, the legacy news, all that, all that stuff. Uh, just to see what they're projecting, see what they're telegraphing, see what they're planning. You remember how like uh, they had that DA in New York City was at that uh, that Cy Vance guy that was like, I'm going to I'm going to charge President Trump before I retire in December. Well, he's got about what, three, four more months before that's up. And uh, yeah, I guess he's going to go into retirement without ever, you know, um, actually uh, charging Trump with anything. And um, so um Anyways, yeah, we 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 uh, we tackled that story when it was still in the uh, MSM, and um, you know the the independents hadn't really made too much of it yet. Uh, nothing ever came of it. You know, they charged uh, you know some seventy year old man that worked uh, for a Trump organization with uh, like I don't know late parking tickets or something like that. Um, but uh, we did have a story that was coming out um, where I mean, okay, so the headline was about Trump making fun of Georgia election officials. And I was like, ah, here we go again. We got these uh, soft-skinned, liberal, lefty, communist socialists um, who have nothing else better to do than to complain about the way this man speaks, okay? And, and especially if it's about them. So I was like, ah, Jesus. And so um, uh, what the uh, article is getting into is uh, they're doing an investigation um, because Trump had made fun of a Georgia election officials who received death threats. So I was like, okay, clearly this article, which actually really has nothing remotely to do with anything uh, other than, you know, um, besmirching the name of President Trump and, uh, you know, ruining his character for a possible another presidential run um, was exactly just that, you know, um, um, you know, they received death threats and, uh, you know, um, uh, they were quoted to have said, well, President Trump said something like, well, if you find the 11,000 votes, then maybe this wouldn't happen. <laughs> Ooh, how insensitive, how insensitive President Trump, they're getting death threats. <laughs> well, you know, I always wonder about those death threats too, you know, because I know some of us in the Patriot community are pretty passionate individuals, you know, and uh, we come from all walks of life. Um, but, you know, they're getting death threats like, um, like uh, I, I know where you and your wife and children live and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to your children and blow up your house, you know, um, and others, other things that are kind of lit, um, a, kind of a bit more cruel and maybe a little um, bit sadistic, you know, um, when we're talking about some of these death threats. And I'm like, you know, are they really receiving death threats from like Patriots proper? Um, um, have we really gotten that ticked off and just uh, totally um, uh, willing to step out of bound in, in, in that regard? Or are these like people who are kind of just like phoning in or are they just making it up? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I uh, have too much faith in humankind, but I don't I don't think patriots would go that far to be like, oh, I'm going to chop off your head and and stick your willy in your mouth or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> it's just like I don't hear patriots saying that, you know, I, maybe like, you know, uh, I don't know, we'll take you out to, uh, I don't know, a, a 10, 10 round uh, shots or something like that. But I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, they, they were getting all their uh, panties in a knot over that. Um, over at the MSM, and uh, then come to find out, 
the real dirt comes out on this Georgia story. So uh, maybe maybe the story about them crying wah, wah, wah about uh, President Trump uh, making fun of election officials receiving death threats uh, uh, because they refused to audit the 2020 election. Maybe that that was just that. It was just a kind of like, okay, let's make Trump look like a bad guy because now we're going to do this. And uh, as it turns out, uh, the Fulton County DA there in Georgia is actually moving ahead with an investigation uh, to see whether or not President Trump violated state laws in Georgia regarding the phone call that he made to little Bradley, little Bradley Raffensperger, the secretary of snakes over there in Georgia, um, uh, you know, during and after the 2020 presidential election. Uh, so that's really what it is, you know. And so basically, uh, again, it, it's in regard to that phone call. Uh, we listened to it um, in part here at the Sea Report, and you guys probably heard it elsewhere also. Uh, where President Trump and little Bradley Raffensperger and uh, his attorney, uh, Ryan, Ryan something or other, uh, we're all um, we're all listening and, and talking on the phone. And, uh, you know, President Trump is like, I need you to find the eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes um, and and, uh, you know, uh, asking him about um, uh, what was that? Uh, what was that woman's name? Uh, let me see here. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me uh, pull something. Something just caught my attempt, ladies and gentlemen. Something just caught my attent. Okay. Now it looks like we're still going. Okay. Um, 17 Angels says they lost the feed. Hey, 17 Angels. Pill says he lost the feed. Um, let's see here. Uh, everything is go on my end, guys. So uh, <laughs> I'm pixelating robot style, eh? All right, guys. Hopefully that won't last for too long. Uh, let me see what uh, all my connections here to, Z to seem to be appropriate. Let me try doing this. Um, okay. All right. We'll see. Okay. All right, guys. Hopefully. Uh, oh, yeah, it's frozen there. Well, we are going to press on. Uh, refresh, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and we'll get through this. Oh, wait, I paused it. My bad. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So as I was saying, um, with um, um, you know, phone calls. Also, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Ruby Freeman and all that stuff. You guys remember the phone call? So um, uh, you know, actually, when you think about it, this is the exact same scenario that we see happening in Arizona when uh, Katie Schnobs, the Secretary of State, is over there and she's trying to uh, get uh, Attorney General Bronovich to open up an investigation into um, the uh, Republican Senate, into Kelly Ward, into uh, President Trump uh, for interference in, in, in the elections. You know, uh, I mean, Kelly Ward did say, stop the count, you know, and because of that and it being on records and there being a snitch there, um, you know, uh, well, I guess snitch would kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like say that perhaps, <laughs> perhaps sorry, I'm looking at the chat, uh, that perhaps, you know, there is some level of guilt there. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, it's the same efforts. So they're, they're really still trying to uh, clamp down on uh, President Trump. And I think that all of this, of course, goes towards, uh, you know, his uh, uh, possible reelection campaign um, or whatever else might be working um, behind the scenes that we may not be aware of. Um, yeah. And so um, in addition to uh, this investigation with the Fulton County D.A., um, they are also teaming up with certain lawmakers, federal lawmakers, 
who are also doing the January 6th probe. That's right. They're probing the um, false flag riots happened on January 6th. So I wonder who that could be. I wonder what federal lawmakers are coordinating with the Fulton County uh, DA of Georgia uh, to try and bring something down on President Trump or make him look bad or whatever it is that they want to do. Uh, but we see this constantly time and time again, um, that they are just uh, nonstop at trying to smear his name left and right. And uh, that will take us to President Trump's statements for today. Now, like I said, he didn't have any statements when I last checked, per se. But he did have some endorsements that did not make the front page. Uh, so let's check that out real quick. Well, he had one endorsement and he had one snark remark. Okay. <laughs> and we like the snark remarks, don't we? Um, okay. So uh, President Trump uh, said in a snark remark, um, in regards to uh, Senator Pat Toomey, right? And we all remember Senator Pat Toomey as being one of the 10 who voted to impeach President Trump. Um, that is for sure. Okay, so uh, he said, the only reason Senator Gloomy Pat Toomey, <laughs> that sounds so funny, Gloomy Pat Toomey is not running for the Senate in Pennsylvania is that I would not give him an endorsement. I feel he has been a terrible representative for both Pennsylvania and the United States as a whole. And uh, it, it does seem to many in, uh, people, and uh, it does seem to me as well, at least uh, in part, that uh, President Trump is continuing to rage against those uh, rhinos uh, who were bold enough to uh, shed their skins and, uh, you know, uh, not back their Republican president. I mean, same party, same president. Anyways, not that they have to. I mean, if the president is absolutely wrong and has committed crimes of high treason and, and other things, yeah, absolutely don't stand behind him. I mean, uh, I mean, that's uh, probably some of the reasons why we'll see a lot of Democrats, uh, you know, leaving the uh, shores of Biden, right? Uh, but in this case, uh, you know, we know that was not the way it should have been. We know that 100% uh, what was happening during the 2020 presidential election was not only fraud, but it was also unconstitutional when we're talking about, um, you know, the uh, the electoral votes and uh, what was happening in that regard. So Pat Toomey seems to have made a bad choice thinking that everyone would back him up. But really, it's just he and his nine other rhino friends. And um, if you guys remember, even their families are giving them a hard time about that. And um, yeah, so, uh, all right. So let's get into this uh, Trump endorsement. Uh, you guys might have heard this name before, uh, but President Trump has now endorsed uh, Michigan State Representative Stephen Cara or Steve Cara. And that's the man there in the, uh, the um, uh, you know, suit and uh, shirt. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little uh, what cadet blue and... Uh, Cantaloupe. No, just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, okay. All right. There was one representative from Wisconsin that, man, like every picture I found of that guy, he had like, he had like a peach suit, a lavender suit, a sky blue suit, uh, an aquamarine green suit. I was like, wow. I was like, this, this is pretty interesting. Anyways, at least in my opinion. Okay. So let's talk about Steve Cara. 
Um, this is what President Trump had to say about Steve Cara. He said, it is my great honor to endorse Michigan State Representative Steve Cara to oppose a rhino congressman, Fred Upton. Um, and he went on to say, um, Upton has not done the job that our country needs. For years has talked about leaving office and not running again. And he voted for impeachment of the president of the United States on rigged up charges. Up oh, here he goes again. President Trump is uh, lashing out against those rhinos who voted against him. Um, I mean, uh, there's what uh, a sense of retribution here, uh, a sense of reprisal or, or maybe just a sense of getting rid of people who would not do the right thing. Um, um, even if it was in front of their face and, you know, burning down their house. Okay. And what would the right thing for that be? It's put it out, right? Anyways, so yeah, you know, um, Upton he's going after. And uh, you guys have seen that uh, swamp creature before, Fred Upton, but we won't uh, run his face by you again. Uh, but continuing with the endorsement, uh, President uh, Trump said he does not deserve to keep his seat. Steve Cara, on the other hand, is strong on crime, borders, and loves our military and our vets. Uh, Steve will continue to fight for low taxes and all of the other things that the great people of Michigan want and need. Steve Cara has my complete and total endorsement, indeed. And, uh, you know, I could definitely back that up, at least on what I've seen from Representative Cara. Um, after all, uh, Representative Cara is in full support of the um, uh, the election audit efforts in Michigan. And, you know, right now it really does not seem like there is a lot of effort happening in Michigan as far as the election audits are concerned. Uh, you know, but Steve Cara did introduce a bill, House Bill 5091, a bipartisan audit board would be tasked with contracting an impartial nonpartisan corporation to conduct a forensic audit of the 2020 general election. And he introduced that, I think, back around June, if I'm not mistaken, um, into uh, the Michigan House legislature uh, to see if he could force a vote on an audit of the 2020 presidential election. Of course, we haven't heard too much in regards to that, um, because after all, you know, we have uh, we have uh, what uh, Jocelyn Benson, who uh, who's still trying to uh, confuse and foible everybody over there in uh, Michigan in regards to uh, the uh, voting and also the com campaigns and the um, election boards and stuff like that with uh, all these crazy uh, rules and regulations that are just kind of backwards and contradictory. Uh, she was actually called out on that. Uh, but yeah, Jocelyn Benson, you know, you also have their attorney general over there. I forget her name. It is a woman. And then also, of course, we couldn't forget uh, wretched Gretchen Whitmer, uh, the uh, governor, the, the whack governor of Michigan, right? And, uh, and then, of course, uh, if you take it down to your city council level, think about Detroit, ladies and gentlemen, and how corrupt they are over there. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Stephen Cara is making uh, his strides there, and now he has President Trump's endorsement to back him up. Um, just he says cleaning out the damn rhinos. And I would say that's right. As we like to say, it is rhino hunting season and, uh, president Trump is taking a pretty big whopping, uh, to these rhinos, uh, especially in endorsing, uh, those who are running against them in their campaigns and, uh, also pointing out the error of their ways. I'm sure also does not hurt that 
uh, fact at all. So uh, looking forward to everything that happens in that regard. Um, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we get on with the uh, interview with President Trump, I'm going to go ahead and hop into the chat one more time. Looks like we got a few more peeps hanging out. <laughs> it seems like it was taco day all around. I have not had tacos today. I think I need to fix that. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, WC is on the road. Be careful out there. Be safe, my friend. Don't be careful. Be safe. Be safe, my friend. Be safe. Uh, 17 Angels, good evening. for And thank you for gifting the can. Um, 17 Angels, bring 17 blessings. Thank you so much. And uh, let's see. Sergeant Sparky, good evening, sir. How are you? Welcome on in. And uh, yes, we had some buffering, but I think it cleared out, if I'm not mistaken. It seems like it has. So most definitely excellent. Uh, glad to hear. I don't know what's up with that. It happens every now and then. Right, right, right. Uh, PN is in the house. Good evening, PN. Hope you're doing well tonight. And uh, hmm. Huh. Sorry, guys. My contacts are cloudy today. So uh if I start rubbing my eyeballs, <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't chop up jalapeno peppers today. <laughs> Anyways, yes, uh, rhino hunting season. I love the uh, love the um, uh, love the graphics there. Tables of turns says from far away. Good karma coming says pilled by the rabbit. Good karma for us, bad karma for them. That's most assuredly so. Or it's good karma because it's bad karma for them. But let's not get too uh, tongue twisted, right? Or uh, or brain brain uh, brain backwards. Um, all right, and then also uh, seize the day nine eleven. Good evening, seize the day. How are you doing today, Sergeant Sparky? Says the trap is set. And uh, Hang Ten Alien Surfer. Good evening. How are you doing today? He says, do you like your gold pills in the can? I will take them in the can. They are most refreshing. These gold pill uh, cans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And oh, Tombstone is also in here as well. It was funny to see the emails come out where the FBI planned to murder Whitmer as a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, guys. Now, as often as I talked about wretched Gretchen Whitmer, maybe we'll do a retrospective on that story because uh, we never covered it here at the Sea Report. Um, you know, aside, aside from it being, yeah, kind of like, because you remember when they first had the story breaking about her being kidnapped, right? And uh, I don't know, something smelt like a publicity stunt. And then uh, come to find out you had FBI agents involved, which also would only go to, uh, to add more proof to the fact that uh, these three-letter agencies uh, tend to be involved in these types of things, you know? Um, and uh, that's, that's also in view of the, uh, this new call for a uh, false flag that's happening on September 18th, which I dug into a little bit um, about it's, uh, this organization called um, Looking Ahead America or Look Ahead America. Um, they, they're actually the ones who are sponsoring or who started that entire, um, engagement for September 18th, you know, um, uh, in, in plight of the, uh, political, um, political captives there in Washington, DC, uh, due to the January 6th false flag riots. Um, very interesting. I have a mixed, a mixed opinion on the group. Cause I mean, looking, it was it looking forward America, maybe, uh, the name looking forward America sounds like totally like liberal progressive kind of like name for for an organization you know um and um the um and i'm not saying that's what they are i'm just you know you know you know guys i kind of parse through things before i, I come to a decision and then uh, also the uh, founder of the organization um i i mean i had i had seen i read a story actually i read a press release 
um, from voter integrity or uh, integrity for the vote, um, which was another another election integrity uh, nonprofit organization um, that has more of a, has ha- had more of a name for itself and has worked on more cases, and um, you know is is out there and known, um, regardless of my, you know, my not being able to name it specifically. But however, um, there was a, there was an article. No, it's not, it's not look out America, <laughs> look out America. No, <laughs> it's not that it's like looking forward, looking ahead, America. That's what it's called. It's called looking ahead, look ahead, look ahead, America. That is the name of the, the organization um, uh, so to speak, uh, that is uh, organizing the September 18th uh, protest there. Anyhow, so the founder of Look Ahead America, um, uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I didn't, uh, I did not put this down in my notes. Matt, Matt Brainerd is his name. Um, Matt Brainerd, um, you know, he worked, uh, he's worked with the Republicans for a while. Um, he was involved in Trump's campaign somewhere. And it's interesting where a lot of these people seem to be involved in President Trump's campaign and then they strike out and do their own thing. And, you know, the thing that I don't really like rest my laurels on and 100% trust in that regard is that you never know, uh, even for someone who's been working in a certain position or in a certain respect for a long time, could always be, uh, you know, um, an inside job man or a a shill or a plant. Now, I didn't find that to be the case 100% with Matt Brainerd, but what I did find kind of funny and and also something that I, I kind of view as the kind of move that someone who is a shill would make or the kind of move that someone who is like an, um, you know, like a, a controlled opposition um, is uh, he tried to take over um, this group called um, the Voter Integrity Project. Now, that's the one that I'm telling you about. I was like, vote something. Voter Integrity Project, which is a much more well-known organization that uh, deals with, you know, the legal issues and other things about, um, you know, um, election frauds and stuff like they were most big doing stuff in Georgia um, at the latest. Well, Matt Brainerd, apparently in a press release from the uh, Voter Integrity Project, uh, tried to uh, tried to take full credit for the organization and name himself as its founder, um, which obviously Voter Integrity Project said, no, 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 Matt Brainerd, uh, you're just a young pup. You're new to the game and you could do well to learn from the veterans in this scene. And that being the Patriot scene, I'm sure uh, the election integrity uh, project scenes and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, that, that kind of thing, when someone goes in and tries to like, you know, um, um, hijack another organization or, or um, much like the, the fake rhinos, well, no, the real rhinos, the fake Republicans out there that try and hijack President Trump's endorsement, that's a big red flag. You know, like, why would you, what kind of integrity does Matt Brainerd have to try and usurp the Voter Integrity Project and put all of the credit on himself as founding that organization? So with that said, um, he is the man who's organizing the September 18th um, um, protest in Washington, D.C. in regards to the um, uh, the Capitol, uh, Capitol riot false flag captives. And uh, yeah, I mean, and so with that kind of like, with that kind of foundation or seed 
uh, by this person who's organizing this. Um, I'm kind of like, maybe he's working in cahoots with the FBI and the CIA and, and there's going to be a false flag and it's all going to be part of the story. And, and because everyone in the headlines is already saying, all the headlines are already saying, ex-Trump campaign person, Matt Brainerd is going to uh, organize a pro-terrorist, uh, you know, uh, event. Like all, I mean, if you look up Matt Brainerd, like B-R-A-Y-N-A-R-D, you will find a series of headlines that just go on to say MAGAite planning September 8th rally. Um, you know, um, um, this is a, Matt Brainerd announces rally at the Capitol on behalf of terrorists, like uh, just on and on and on. So they're definitely painting that picture for all of us in our heads. <clears throat> <laughs> Braveheart is a fool, says Just V. Well, yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting at. <laughs> you know, it's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, he got put in his place by the Voter Integrity Project, that is for sure. And and because of him, you know, um, other uh, like leftist and progressive um, um, publications, you know, like Salon and stuff like that, had a field day just trashing uh, conservatives and patriots because of that that error. Uh, and I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a judgment, a, a lack of judgment or an error of judgment. I feel like he was doing something on purpose when he tried to make those moves. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of something that's on the periphery here, you know, as far as that goes. But uh, as far as Matt Brainerd's actual organization, which is Look Ahead America, um, you know, I was looking at that as well. Um, and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in Arizona involved with Look Ahead America. Uh, there's a lot of representatives from Maricopa County, which I find interesting. Uh, but also, also Ken Bennett, Ken Bennett, you guys remember Ken Bennett, right? He's the former SOS, former liaison to, uh, to, um, the audits there. Um, remember Ken Bennett? I mean, he had such a good disposition. Uh, and and garnered so much trust. And you guys remember he leaked information. You remember he leaked information. Hmm. You know I forgot about that uh, point of thought whenever I was looking at the uh, the cast of characters, the rosters of the people who are members of Look Ahead America. Because um, I was like Ken Bennett's on that. I like Ken Bennett, but then I forgot he leaked the information. Like if if uh, Look Ahead America indeed is a uh, a shill organization. Uh, maybe that had something to do with it. But again, it's all speculation here, guys. And we only speculate in the first hour of the Sea Report. <laughs> Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, okay, let's get to it. Let's hop to it. Don't delay. Let's hop to it. We got to make it today. Um, and uh, real quick, before we start, uh, let me extend my thanks to uh, Sergeant Sparky for the cookie, if I hadn't said it yet. Um, as well as uh, to, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Te, uh, hang ten, yeah, you, you asked me about the gold pill can. Yes, I have. Well, thank you again, Sergeant Sparky. And then Dixie also for the cookie. And uh, Tam Grell, thank you for uh, donating a cookie. Much appreciated, ladies and gentlemen. Foxy Lady, how are you doing? Foxy Lady says, too bad they did not complete the hoax. She needs to go killing us and stealing our tax refunds. Well, you know, I guess Foxy Lady, you might be up there in the Michigan area. Uh, there's a hearsay, probably not around any of the co water coolers in uh, these offices, but most certainly in other offices I'm privy to around the water cooler is uh, the plan was to off uh, wretched Gretchen Whitmer, okay, because they knew they knew that uh, they could um, cover over the uh, COVID nursing home debt scandals more effectively if they could blame it on a patriot, th thereby killing two birds with one stone. 
two birds with but one stone, as Tilk would say. Uh, so yeah, that was that was the plan. That was the plan uh, because um, it was really heating up on uh, Comey, Comey, Cuomo, <laughs> Comey. Oh, not Corny, Cuomo. It was really heating up on Cuomo at that time. And uh, they were going to try and uh, actually, they're actually trying to get that done. They're actually trying to get that done. Of course, you know, uh, they found out uh, that the FBI actually is involved in these types of shenanigans. And uh, it's not a good thing at all, right? It's not a good thing at all. And uh, yes, most definitely. Uh, I demand justice. And uh, whatever the outcome of that justice is, so be it. Um, but yes. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into this. Looks like you guys is having a fun time out there. And uh, all right. Uh, turn tape over now. Okay, there we go. I don't know if you guys recognize this man's face or not. Uh, but that is the face of one Hugh Hewitt. And uh, again, uh, we will uh, check out this interview with he and President Trump. Um, it is a little dated, but not by much. And there's still some information that you didn't hear anywhere else uh, talked about in here. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe they do not talk about the vaccines at all. So this might be a plus in regards to a Trump interview uh, of most recent. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you now President Trump as a scene on the Hugh Hewitt podcast. I'm now pleased to welcome back to the program former President Donald Trump. Mr. President, welcome back. It's good to talk to you again. Good morning. Uh, this is the 22nd time we've had an interview on the record. We've talked about eight times off the record. I appreciate it every time, but I especially appreciate it in the middle of this fiasco abroad. Um, I've got 50 questions, which would be five times as many as President Biden has answered since this crisis began. What do you make about his availability to the, pres to the press, Mr. President? Well, he can't be available because I don't think he knows what's happening. And it's frankly a horrible thing that's going on. I think it's the most embarrassing moment for our military and for our country. It's, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen it. It just doesn't make sense. How no. they're doing it, what they're doing. We had it in perfect shape, just like we had the southern border in perfect shape. And then he destroyed it. We had the fewest number of people coming in. Now we have the most number of people and drugs and other things coming in. We had that in the best shape in the history of our country. And now for this long period of this war, this horrible 21-year war, uh, we had it in such good shape to get out and get out with pride, get out with really a moral victory. And for some reason, it doesn't make sense, he pulled the military out first. It made no sense. thing went kaput. Yeah. My, my first question is a little bit long, Mr. President, but, but bear with me. Your former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said on this show last Friday that the agreement you directed him to sign with the Taliban was, quote, conditions-based, and your former National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, was my guest on Monday, and he said very emphatically that you would never have stood for any of three things. One, you wouldn't have presided over a Saigon-style retreat in Afghanistan. Two, no Americans would have been left behind. You would have never evacuated the military before American civilians. And number three, you never have left billions and billions of dollars of high-tech equipment behind. Were Secretary Pompeo and Ambassador O'Brien right about what they told me about you? Well, you left out one thing. We would not have stood for any soldiers or any Americans being killed or shot at or hurt in any way that was in there. And you, for 18 months, 
Not one American soldier was killed. Not one. 18 months. And that was because of the agreement and because of my talk with Abdul, who is now the boss, as you know. He is now yes. the boss. I wasn't sure he was the boss, but now I look at television just like you do and radio, and I see uh, he's the boss. That's the man I was dealing with. And I had a very, very tough conversation with him about what we're going to do to them if anything happens. But you really have to add to your three points, also add the fact that nobody was to be killed, harmed in any way, and, and nobody was. It was an amazing thing. We had a very strong agreement. It was conditions-based. Now, there were many other parts of the agreement also. And if they violated them, you know that, we went in and bombed the hell out of them, and they never would. They never would have come into Cabal, and they just wouldn't do it. Now, what happened is... One day, Biden said, take the soldiers out. And it went back to the leaders of the Taliban, to uh, the whole group of them, that the soldiers are leaving. And I would say that they were shocked, okay? I am surmising that they were shocked because we had that thing so tight. And don't forget you, I brought it from 20,000 people down to 2,500 people. But we also had NATO had 5,000 people at our request. Prior to the... Five, which nobody prior to, talks about. No, I, I want to get to that. The NATO had 5,000. We had 2,500 in air power. But prior to the Doha agreement, you had authorized the dropping of the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan, the Moab, uh, on right. an Islamic State complex in April of 2017. You hit Syria right. after Assad used chemical weapons. You got al-Baghdadi. You got Soleimani after the militia controlled attack by the American. Did the Taliban leader, specifically uh, uh, Mullah uh, Abdul Bardar, did they fear you doing to them what you had done to these people? Well, I don't want to say they feared me, but everybody else said they did. You know, we uh, got al-Baghdadi of ISIS, and he was trying to rebuild ISIS. And when I took over, ISIS was all over the place. You, It was all over the place. And then I got a certain general who was fantastic. You know, we don't have all bad generals, okay? We have some real bad ones on television. I call them the television generals are terrible, but we have great generals. And I had a certain general that I liked, and we took out ISIS in a very short period of time, wiped them out, and they were gone 100%. Do you remember I wanted to bring them back when we had 99%? And everybody said, no, you didn't do 100%. You got to get 100%, including the fake news media. And when I took it over, ISIS was all over the place. At 99%, I wanted to get the hell out. And the media said, well, you didn't get 100%. I said, you know what? We're taking another two weeks. We're going to get 100%. We got 100%, and they were gone. And they respected us, and they respected me, but they respected us. And don't think that the Taliban wasn't watching. Because ISIS is tougher than the Taliban and nastier than the Taliban. And ISIS was watching and then they were they didn't exist anymore. And we took out the founder of ISIS, Al Baghdadi, and then of course Soleimani. Now just so you understand, Soleimani is bigger by many, many times than Osama bin Laden. The founder of ISIS is bigger by many, many times, Al Baghdadi. Then Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden had one hit, and it was a bad one, in New York City, the World Trade Center. But these other two guys were monsters. They were monsters. And I kept saying for years, 
Why aren't they getting them? For years, I said it. I got them. The press doesn't talk about it. They what did you about it because they don't want to talk about it. You talk did, about it. I do a little bit. What What did you communicate to Baradar, Mullah Baradar, the Abdul Baradar, who you talked to when you spoke to him? What did you tell him? So I set up a conversation with him and people said, oh, you shouldn't be talking. Well, I set up a conversation with Kim Jong-un of North Korea. We didn't have a nuclear war. Had I not, then Obama would have been right. We would have had a nuclear war. President Obama said to me, we're going to have a nuclear war with North Korea. I said, have you ever spoken to him? He said, no. I said, don't you think that might be a good idea? But anyway, I know he wanted to speak to him, but he never got to speak to him. And I think the other side didn't want to talk to Obama. So what happened is I spoke to the head of the, the known head because it's yeah, a Baradar, right? Baradar. Yeah. But I spoke to and, and sort of the known head, but nobody was sure. But now I'm sure. And I, I was sure then when I was speaking to him and I knew as soon as I spoke to him and even the introduction. I say, hello, and he screamed something very tough. And I then started with him. I said, listen, before we start the long time conversation and conversations that we're going to have, I have to say one thing and I'll never have to say it again to you. And here's what I say. If you do anything bad to the United States of America, if you do anything bad to any of our civilians, to any American citizen, or if you do anything out of the normal, you know, they've been fighting for a thousand years, but out of the normal, because you've had your wars, and if you do anything out of the normal, but anything bad to America or any American citizens, I will hit you harder than anybody has ever been hit in world history. You will be hit harder than any country and any person has ever been hit in world history. And we will start with the exact location and the exact town, and it's right here, and I believe I repeated the name of his town. That will be the first place that we start. And I won't be able to speak to you anymore after that. And isn't that a very sad thing? But that is the story and then he asked me one question, and I'd rather not repeat that question because it's a very scary question. But he asked me one question, and I gave him the answer yes. And then after it was all done, I said, okay, now I've said what I'm going to say. Let's have a conversation. And I said, we're going to be leaving after 21 years. And when we leave, you're going to leave us alone and we're going to leave with great dignity and great honor. And we are going to take care of this situation. We're going to take our time. We had a date of May 1st, but they missed a couple of uh, conditions. We had some very strong conditions, you, but uh, they missed a couple of conditions. I wanted to be up by May 1st. I had spoken to them quite a bit before May 1st, but we had a condition of May 1st. But they missed conditions, and so therefore... I bombed and we hit them very hard. And then they said, we will agree to those conditions. I said, no, you've already agreed to them. Don't play games. We had them so good. They weren't in cabal. You take a, you take a look at when they started taking over Afghanistan. It's when I left. When I left, that's when it start, they started going wild. 
because they were dealing with another president. And I never realized, and of course I realized the importance and power of the presidency, but I never realized how important the office of the president is until this happened. Because when I watched what happened over the last week and a half with some horrible, stupid decisions that were made, number one being allowing our military to leave before the civilians and before we get all of our equipment back. $83 billion. It not Nobody can even comprehend that much equipment. Thousands of vehicles. Thousands. You saw the, the yes. list of vehicles. It, he, yes. could have the, he could have the greatest car sale and truck sale in the history of the world. And these are all armor-plated. These are millions and millions of dollars each. Each for each vehicle. It costs millions of dollars. That's where we were, and we were getting ready to leave, and then the election was rigged, and shockingly, I lost. Even though I got 12 million more votes than I got the first time, even though I ran a better campaign than I ran the first time, the election was lost, the ballots were rigged, they used COVID in order to cheat, because they cheat fantastically. If they could fight wars like they cheat an election, we would have had that war won in one day. Mr. President, I want to I want to stay on on what happened in March of this year. In March of this year, the Taliban attacked forward operating base Chapman, according to publicly available reports, which is a highly sophisticated and secure American yes, installation, absolutely. injured injured seven Americans. Would you have considered the Doha agreement breached at that moment? Oh, it would, we would have hit them so hard it would have been breached. And they would have come back and they would have said, please, please, please. We had a couple of conditions breached, much less than what you just mentioned. That was a big hit. When I saw that and heard about that, I said, well, that's uh, strange. I, it was strange because they would have never done that if it was me. Now, you brought home. Having taken out, you having taken out, Salamani was the biggest of the world. I was with the head of Pakistan, who's a great guy, Khan. And we met. It is a very respected figure and a very uh, and a very great athlete. Actually, he is like the Mickey Mantle of uh, cricket. I don't know if you know right. that. Right. A very respected, uh, dignified, handsome man. And I was with him, and I got along with him very well. He said, "When I heard that you took out Salamani, I closed my offices and I went home for a week." It was the biggest thing to happen in the Middle East in a hundred years. He said, you have no idea. When you took out Soleimani, that was the biggest thing to happen in the Middle East, Mr. President, now, in a hundred years. I don't now, doubt it. I don't doubt they it. Had fear. They had fear of him. I think even if you want to know the truth, I think Iran might have been happy too. They just don't say it. They feared Oh, Interesting. Him. You brought home more than any other person or more than any other country. And he was capable. You brought home 55 hostages. Well, he was getting ready to hit us. Worse oh, yes. Than capable. Yeah. He was getting ready to hit us very, very hard. And we had information and I had information. And he was going to those meetings and he wasn't going to them with school children. OK, uh, the man in the van with him who made the mistake of saying, hey, I'll pick you up at the plane. We'll drive they drove through the Valley of Hell. Uh, they, uh, they, no, they were looking to do very, very bad. That was going to be a very, very big hit. But I'll never forget 
head of Pakistan, highly respected and very elegant person, said this was a day that is the most important day. We couldn't believe it. It took him weeks to believe it. That's what he told me. Others have told me the same thing. I agree. I now, I want to go back to the hostages. And by the way, you... al-Baghdadi, the founder of ISIS, who was who was reconstituting ISIS, he's the man with the flag, with the fan behind him so much, where you see for years. And I say, I'd say my pe- to my people, you got to get the guy with the fan. It's very easy. He used to make speeches. You remember this show, the yes. same location with the fan right behind his head. I said, you got to get. He was the founder of ISIS and he was rebuilding ISIS after I defeated ISIS and we got him. Well, let's talk about the people that. you brought home. You will. Danny, Danny Birch from Yemen, Joe Wang from Iran, Pastor Brunson from Turkey. You brought home 55 hostages or wrongful detainees. How difficult will it be to get Americans out of Afghanistan? And right now, we don't know how many are going to be held hostage there, but I think it's going to be bad. How hard is it to get hostages out? So let me just mention one thing. And Robert O'Brien was my, that's how he, he came to my attention. Robert did a really great job. He was my hostage negotiator. We made him an ambassador. He was ambassador of hostage negotiations. You ever hear of that one before? Yes. yes. And he was very good at it. And we were 58 and 0. And here's the other thing. I never paid money. We didn't pay money. Because once you pay money, you have to pay a lot of money. We didn't pay $1.8 billion like Obama did, where he sent that money to Iran. We paid $1.8 billion in cash and to get hostages. And it didn't so even what is going to happen in Afghanistan? Had, I think we're going to have hostages there, don't you? Okay, so let me just tell you. We did great. We were 58-0, and 0, and we got everybody. Sadly, I was there too late, because if I were president at the time, we got Otto out of North Korea. But unfortunately, he was in such horrible shape. He died soon afterwards. But we got him out along with four other hostages out of North Korea. That's the toughest one of all, North Korea, the toughest one of all. But I had a relationship, a great one. I still do with Kim Jong-un, very smart gentleman, very, very smart. We're dealing with people that are at the top of their game, President Xi, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un of North Korea. And we're dealing with people that are at their top, the top of their game, including France and including Germany and including other countries. And we have a man that doesn't know what the hell is happening, other than they're good at cheating at elections. That's all they do well. But they what are they going to do about these hostages? Do you think we're going to have hostages okay. in Afghanistan? Now let's get to that. So we could have thousands of hostages. I don't think they know what they're doing. Yesterday they said 500. So the 35,000 all of a sudden is 500. And yet most of the people taken on the plane, most of those people, as you know, are Afghans, right? So how are we down to 35, to 500? Uh, uh, Nobody knows what the number of hostages is. I don't think the United States has a clue. I think there are thousands of people that are hostage. It's a much more difficult position than even the like like Brunson, Pastor Brunson. Uh, I knew the head of Turkey had a great relationship with him, as you know, great sure relationship. Yeah. I got him out. I said, you got to do it. He said, no, no, no. We have laws. I said, no, you're the law. 
no, 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 we have laws. And then eventually I got him out because he was the law. Okay. It was very simple. But this, this is a more difficult situation. You have so many, you have a big, big element of religion. Anytime you enter religion, when it becomes a religion, a religious fervor, uh, it sometimes tends to be more difficult. I found that because I've gotten a lot of people back. Uh, and you have new elements being added. Now you have ISIS-K. ISIS-K, whatever ISIS-K is, because we wiped out ISIS. So now they have a new branch. It's called ISIS-K. Uh, they're very, uh, very bad. They're very bad. Uh, and you have the Taliban. So... I can't tell you, I, I have one concept that I would do that I think would be foolproof, but the hostages are in grave danger, and so are a lot of Afghans that came to our aid. Would you have ever allowed our troops to leave, or the NATO troops to leave, or the air power contractors to be pulled out with civilians and allies and Afghan interpreters in the country still? No, it's not conceivable. I don't know if you saw my speech. We had 68,000 people in Alabama on Saturday night. And I told the story that I was with a group and there was a five-year-old, the son of somebody, a five-year-old boy. And I talked to him about it quickly. And I said, so would you leave the soldiers or would you pull them out? He said, oh, I'd leave the soldiers. A five-year-old child would leave the soldiers. Anybody would leave the soldiers. When I heard they were taking out the soldiers, and I guarantee you, when Abdul, and I, you know, look, I, I spoke to him tough, but I had a very good relationship with him, very good. I, nobody could negotiate with him like me. I had a very, very good relationship with him, and I found him to be reasonable. He did some minor violations, but he, he ultimately didn't violate it at all. Look, all of this takeover of all of Afghanistan, not just Kabul, all of the relationships, all of this that, that I had, everything, and with more than just him, it all took place, all of the, the taking over of Afghanistan, when you see the red on the page, it got bigger and bigger. That took place after I left. And would you have closed rapidly. Bagram, Mr. You would you have closed Bagram? No, I would not have closed Bagram. So I was going to bomb. So, so in order, I would have get, gotten all Americans out. I would have gotten all of the people that helped us out that were in danger if they were good people. Some were not good people. Uh, sadly, and just to interject, we have some very, very bad terrorists coming out and getting into the planes. And they're smart and they're tough and they can get into the planes much easier than a normal person. Because there's no vetting. There's no, they're not vetting anybody. They have no idea. They, they have nothing to vet with. I would have taken the Americans out. I would have taken other deserving people out. That would have been number one. Number two, I would have, and I've already, you know, I instructed them to do this. We were doing it. I was doing it in a very orderly fashion, and we weren't losing anything. And this was all over Afghanistan, not just in Kabul. So I would have taken the people out. I then would have taken all military equipment. And I said to them, I want every single nail, screw, and bolt. I then would have, with the exception of Bag Bagram, which I would have kept, I would have bombed all of the bases because I don't want to give those bases to Russia, China, or even the Taliban. I would have bombed every base. I would have evacuated them. I would have taken out every single, and I used this expression with our woke generals. I said, I want every single screw to be taken out. 
And I had Millie tell me, sir, it's cheaper to leave the equipment than to take it out. I said, you mean leave a millions and millions of dollars of army tank and you say it's cheaper? I say, then you better go back to business school because you're not a very good. Millie told me, sir, it's cheaper to leave it. And you know what? That's exactly what they did. It's not cheaper to leave it. It's the dumbest statement. One of the dumbest statement I, statements I've ever had. Over, we have oh. people, Leo, we have people that do that. They transport, just like I use the military to transport the vaccine so that people could get the vaccine. I use the military for taking stuff out. And we were starting. But military, I will say, Millie, said to me on two occasions, sir, now it's a lot easier to leave it because you can just leave it. But I thought it was absolutely crazy. I also knew it was going to collapse because you know, and I told you once a long time ago, Ghani was a thief. Ghani had great power in the United States Senate. He had senators and congressmen that were his friend. His whole life was the U.S. Senate, and that gave him power. But he was basically and inherently a thief who had no control over the country other than he was powerful within the United States Senate in particular, which is terrible, by the way. Well, you know, General McMaster and Secretary Esper are blaming you for the Doha agreement. They're saying okay. that you empowered them. What do you make of these criticisms from General McMaster, who was your uh, second national security advisor, and Secretary Esper? Yeah, these are two guys, you know, oftentimes you'll hire people and they'll turn out to be bad, no matter how good you are. I had great people in my administration. And if I ever do it again, we'll have those people and a lot of even better ones. But I had great people in my administration. But those two were stiffs. McMaster was not a smart guy. All he liked doing was talking to the press. And I rarely listened to him and then ultimately fired him. And Jesper, I called him Jesper because all he did was say yes. Uh, Jesper was like a little boy. All he did was say yes. No matter what you asked him, he was a lightweight. And honestly, uh, should not have been in that position. We were rushed because there was a difficulty with a good man who was in there prior to him. He had some uh, family difficulty. And I, I gave Jesper a try and put him in there for a short period of time. He didn't have what it takes. The men didn't respond. The men and women, the people within the military, uh, did not respect him. And McMaster, all he did was like to write things and write books and complain. And he wasn't a smart person. Just so you understand, they're complaining about the agreement that I just talked about with you, which had strong conditions. And when the reason, as an example, I wanted to be out as soon as possible. We had to get out strong with all our equipment and no death. The reason nobody was killed in the last 18 months was because of what we did beyond the agreement was because of the relationship I developed with the leaders with and Abdul. in particular with Abdul over so the weekend lightweights. Let me just yeah. I put him in the same category and I put Bolton there too. Bolton was one of the dumbest human beings I've ever dealt with, but he had a tough reputation. So he was good for me to bring him into a room. The other side nation would see him and they'd say, Oh my God, Trump is going to go to war with us because Bolton was a nut job. And so he was, that was Bolton. The other two guys were different, but they were. Weak let, let me go back to President Biden. Over the weekend, you yeah, I got that. Over the weekend, 
you called for President Biden to resign, but that would make Kamala Harris the president. Do you believe she would be doing a better job than Biden? I think that she's terrible. Uh, I think that she, uh, I was surprised when he picked her because she was done, she had done very poor in the uh, debates and she had done very poor in the polling. She was heading in the wrong direction, but he picked her. Look, everything this guy does is sort of strange. And I just looked at a recent poll where she's down even lower than him, which is uh, pretty hard because he's down very low. I also looked at polls where I'm winning by many points, but I was when we had the election. I don't know. We have people in office that did not win the election. Okay, they didn't win the election. And the numbers have come out. 15 million ballots the other night. Think of it. 15 million ballots were found the other night that weren't used. They were found by a highly respected group, highly respected group, a group that you have more respect than almost anybody for. 15 million ballots, 8 million ballots were ascribed to by a military person that does this professionally just a week ago. Mr. President, it's much more important to talk about Afghanistan than these claims. I I have not seen one claim that I agree with, but let's talk about Afghanistan. You know why? Because the press doesn't write about it. I have not seen one that I agree with. You could have certified numbers, which which we will have. But you you could have certified numbers and the press doesn't write about it. But I want to go back to Afghanistan, especially. Now I want to talk about European allies. They're furious with President Biden. Betrayal yeah. is the word they have used. You were supposed to be the wrecker of alliances and he the rebuilder. What happened to President Biden? America is back and the NATO allies. Yeah. See, I didn't wreck alliances. I stopped alliances from taking advantage of our country. I got $430 billion more for NATO from those same people that you're talking about. Because we were paying for NATO and they were paying very little. They were delinquent on their payments. You know that. I got $430 billion, not million, billion dollars more. Think of that. Started off with $130 billion and $430 billion. So they're not going to love me. But you know what they did? We had great relationships, very personal relationships. This could have never happened. And they are furious. They think this was the dumbest decision. They have no respect for our president. They think this was the dumbest decision, the single dumbest thing that they've ever seen. By the way, the only good thing about it, it makes the worst job ever done in the history of the southern border look better. Okay, because this was dumber than the job they're doing on the southern border, where millions of people are coming in unchecked with 21 percent having COVID, no masks, no shots, no nothing. This makes the horror show done at the southern border look good by comparison. Let let me turn to Andrea Mitchell, no fan of yours. Single dumbest. It's a bad situation in both places. Decision ever made. On Sunday, on Sunday, meet the press. Andrea Mitchell said of President Biden's advisor, they tried to talk him out of it, meaning that his closest advisors tried to talk the president out of bugging out. What does it tell you that he won't listen to his closest advisors? Well, I I believe that because they're not stupid people and they know this is the stupidest decision ever made. You, You just end this conversation on on this subject because it's so crazy that we're even talking about it. Who in his right mind would take all of the soldiers out? And that includes NATO, because then NATO fled also. Okay, they had to. But who in their right mind? We had it sealed up. The relationship I had with the Taliban was a great one from the standpoint of dialogue and 
and toughness and toughness. And again, talking to them, I had some idiots on television saying, why is he talking to the Taliban? Who else am I going to talk to? Who else? We, we were going to have an army that was going to flee. I knew that. That's why I say you got to take their equipment, too, because they were fleeing along with Ghani. They were all gone. And that happened when we announced we were leaving. But nobody else could make this decision. This decision was made by a mind that is shot. Now, I believe that other people tried to talk him out of it. I'm in many ways surprised that they went along with it. I, I really am. I'm surprised now, that they went how, along with it. How do we unite the Republican Party, Mr. President, to prevent the disasters that continue to come upon the nation? How do we get the GOP together to oppose the border, the Afghan withdrawal, get them united? Well, I think we have great support on the border. I think I have great support on this issue. We have some people in the Republican Party. It's the biggest deficit that we have because uh, we have some people like uh, Romney, little Ben Sass, your uh, your senator, as an example, from you have John Kennedy is great. But his companion in Louisiana senator is Cassidy. a disaster. You take a look at him where he uses me in every one of his ads. I love President Trump. It's all President Trump. And then he's hostile. Uh, he, he just he just what he did to the people of Louisiana is he defrauded them. But you have guys like that and you have guys that just will not get it. Not a large group. I, I think all of those people, the 19 people that signed that agreement, some of whom are very good people, I must say. So I won't get uh, into names, but many of those 19 people, uh, they are. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. Now, let me, though, let me point out that on this show, on this show, Leader McConnell said you would never have allowed this to happen in Afghanistan. On this show, we've had every Republican say you would never have allowed this to happen. I'm McConnell would have said that. I got oh, he McConnell did. elected. He, he, he said he it on the show. He was gonna, but he was but how do we bring everyone I together? I got him elected, and then he went nasty. I'm surprised I, he would have said it. He but did. I would, never, I would never have allowed it to happen. We had it all buttoned up. We were all set. We were starting to bring people home, and we take our time. There was no rush. We've been there for 21 years. You take your time. We would have left, and when we were gone, they wouldn't have any weapons. They wouldn't have a nail. They wouldn't have a screw. They wouldn't should have we, should we stay weapons. now? Should we stay now until we get everyone out, well, Mr. President? I don't want to say. I'll tell you what, because a lot of people are asking me. I have a plan. I think it's a very good plan, but let me tell you, you. It's a much tougher situation than we had three months ago. It's a oh, much yes. tougher situation. Oh, yes. When he pulled the military out, and here's the conversation. I'm going to tell you what happened without knowledge, but with knowledge of the people. Somebody went up to Abdul, who's the leader of the Taliban, and he is the leader. He's smart and he's strong, and I had a very good relationship after I made my first initial statement to him. Somebody went up to him and said, Leader, they are moving the military out of Afghanistan, not just Cabal, out of all of Afghanistan. And he said to them, you're crazy. Don't be stupid and don't bother me. No, 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 they are leaving. We see the planes are leaving. And they are leaving all of their billions of dollars worth of army tanks and vehicles and planes and jets and Apache helicopters for $100 million apiece. We are leaving. They are leaving them all behind. He said, this cannot be happening. 
I think you're crazy. And if you're crazy, you're not going to be living long. No, no leader there leading. Then what they did is they sent a group of people into cabal. And they were not met with any force whatsoever. And they saw the Americans were leaving. And the word got back to Abdul. And he said, this is the greatest day of my life. This is the greatest day of my life. I am going to be a hero. I am going to go down in history as having defeated the Americans without even firing a bullet. This I, is the I, I, I'm sure it, I've life. got four more questions for you, Mr. President. I know you're pressed for time. First of all, will you get a COVID booster when it's been six months since you were ill? Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know. You know, I believe, by the way, I'm a I was responsible for getting that done in nine months with the whole yes. thing with the vaccine. So, so you know, I but I don't know about the booster. Uh, I know that Pfizer. I'm going to get it. I think the science good. is great. I'm going to get it. Okay, I think good. you should get yeah. it. Yeah, I, I would have nothing against getting it. I'd like to look at it a little bit more. But the, first of all, we have September to make the decision. You know, et cetera, et cetera. We have a little while. Uh, I do think that Pfizer. I will say this: the FDA is bureaucratically run. Would have taken five years to get it approved. Would have never even had it if it weren't for me. And I learned things. Uh, the FDA is virtually controlled by Pfizer. Pfizer has control. Not Johnson & Johnson, not Moderna, but Pfizer has control over the FDA. Sec second question. Have you heard anything from John Durham? Has he asked to interview you? Do you know what's going on with John Durham? Every time I speak, I say, where's Durham? That should have never been allowed to be put into the Biden administration. They spied on my campaign and they didn't pay. We caught them. And yet they use prosecutors on Republicans all over the country. It's They're using them so illegally. They're using the IRS. They're back to their old games, okay? By the way, that's what they're good at. That's what they're good at. But you haven't heard from Durham? Durham has not talked to you? I have, I've never heard from Durham. Never was. Right. If, never if you don't from. run in 2024, has anyone impressed you? Is there anyone you would support if you don't run? Yeah, a number of people have impressed me. Like who? A number. I, I don't want to say right now. This isn't the right time to say. I just picked somebody to run against. Uh, a person named Liz Cheney who's off her rocker. And I'll be announcing that sometime. Today. You know, Mr. President, I like Liz a lot. So let's not talk about her. I, I like her okay. and her. her. Let's, she let's went, not talk she about went her. crazy. She's you, off you, a rocker. You used to be interviewed by people like David Portnoy and Clay Travis. I am curious, when the Republicans do their debates for 2024, should they use people like Portnoy and Travis and me and people who aren't part of the the regular gang that gets to do these yeah, debates? You'd be great. You were always great. And you know, you came back, you, you went on NBC for a while, and I think it probably influenced you, but ultimately they couldn't take your answers because you were a little bit out there, meaning meaning you were saying the right thing. Now you'd be great, and, and Play would be great, Portnoy would be great. You you shouldn't use a Chris Wallace, he's terrible. If he was terrible, he had no control of the Well, debate. shouldn't we get rid of the Presidential Debate Commission? It's a terrible uh, thing. I would say yes. I would say yes. They don't, they're, they're totally biased. When I, you know, four years ago, I complained. I said, you put all Clinton people up here. And, you know, obviously it worked out very well for me. I think these debates were very good. But I will tell you this. Uh, Chris Wallace was so biased, it was disgraceful. And all he would do is complain that, that Biden wouldn't go on a show. So I figured, hey, 
You can't stand Biden because Biden wouldn't do a show. Biden was afraid to do a show. So Biden wouldn't do a show. So why would they pick, you know, why would they allow Chris Wallace to do it? And yet his true colors came out. Look, Chris Wallace, his father was a good friend of mine. His father did me on 60 Minutes. It was actually a very good job. I was very happy with it. But Mike Wallace was a legend. Chris Wallace wants to try and be like his father, but he doesn't have the talent. Chris Wallace should not be doing debates. He was horrible. He wouldn't let, let me ask the question is, why did the mayor of Russia's wife, the mayor of Moscow, why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give him to Hunter three and a half million dollars? Why didn't China, how come China was able to give him a billion and a half? How come Ukraine gave him all that money? Chris Wallace said, that's not pertinent to this debate. No, let me just tell you, Chris Wallace did a terrible job and he shouldn't be doing any more debates. Okay, two more questions, Mr. President. If you had not addressed the January 6th rally on the mall, do you think the invasion of the Capitol would have happened anyway? Well, you know, that wasn't my uh, doings, the whole thing. And, and one thing that isn't said, it was the largest crowd. We're not talking going to the mall. That was a small, tiny percentage of people. You mean going to the Congress? That was, that was the largest group of people that I've ever spoken before. I've never seen that many people. I think if they gave you an honest count, you would hear a number that would shock. They don't want to do that. And they do have they do have helicopter shots and they should. But, but if you had way. not if but you had not gone the there, would it have happened? You don't like talking about this. And it's a mistake for you for a lot of reasons. But that was a protest against the election. That's why they were there. Uh, I believe that the anger about the election was so great it would have happened anyway. Yeah, probably. All right. Now, now I want to ask you just a couple of fun questions because it's such a dark week. Last time you were on the show, you told me that Belichick would make a great general. Do you think he and Kraft are going to win the Super Bowl again? Well, I, I think he's a, a terrific football coach. Uh, win the Super Bowl again. I, I think that Tom Brady was a, a you know, was a force. Let's face it. Will he win it? I happen to think that his draft pick is very good. Uh, he's a well, terrific so You're a Brady, Kraft, not Belichick guy. Is, wait, you think it was uh, Brady, I'm, not I'm, Belichick. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a question like one in 28. And here's the problem with me. If I said yes and they don't win, they'll say headlines. Trump made a mistake. Yeah, but so you're picking like Brady over Belichick. 28, a play against, what do I what? You're, you're saying Brady won the Super Bowls, not Belichick. You're signing up with no, the Brady no, team. No, they both did. But but uh, Belichick, when he watched Brady win, win the Super Bowl last time, that was something that probably didn't drive, drive uh, Bill's stock up because Brady won it again without Bill. So, you know, that was... All right, last question, Mr. Brent. Let's go back to but I, look, they, I think they're going to have a very good team. I happen to think their young quarterback is going to be very good. Okay, last question. We cannot leave Americans and green card holders behind in Africa. The American military has never left an American behind in a war zone. What is your advice to President Biden about leaving Americans behind? Never leave an American behind. Never leave a soldier behind. I mean, there's some basics of our country. Number one is never leave our people behind. Soldiers, Americans, and they're leaving, I believe, thousands, thousands. This is before you get to loyal Afghans which is a very big subject in itself. That's a very, you know, no country's ever won or lost a war and then taken a big part of the population and brought them into their country. That's never happened before, in all fairness. But with that being said, 
we had some very loyal people, some very good people who were highly paid, by the way. They were paid. It's not like they did it for free, but they were interpreters and they were other things. But I would say you have to go very strongly on it. Never leave an American behind. Never leave a soldier behind. You can't do it. If it takes more troops, should we send in more troops? If we have to take retake Kabul, should we retake Kabul and reopen Well, I don't Kabul? want to say it because I have a plan that would be, I think, a great plan. But I, I will say this. Anything we do right now is made a thousand times tougher because the worst decision, and that was taking our soldiers out, that was never in any of our plans. My plan was was even maybe boosting them for a short period of time just to make sure. But we had no problem. We weren't getting shot at. We had no problem with the Taliban. We had a great, they understood me. They knew whether Soleimani, al-Baghdadi, or beating ISIS, or holding back North Korea, getting along with everyone but in a strong way, getting NATO $430 billion dollars, they knew they were dealing with a different kind of a person. They never, ever would have tried this. And if they did, they would have been bombed to hell and they would have stopped. And we did that a couple of times. They violated certain conditions. But one of the conditions is never kill an American. They never killed. Think of it. 18 months, they never killed an American. Mr. President, I've taken a lot of your time. Please keep coming back. I appreciate your talking to me. Thank you. Oh, my goodness, this guy. All right. Well, uh, talk about a shill cook. Uh, I say that word like uh, so funny all the time. Cook. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how many different ways, like uh, how many licks does it take for Hewitt to get to the center of let's send soldiers back into Afghanistan question? Like, seriously, he has Trump like three times. You know, he's shilling and you know, he's controlled opposition and you know, he's uh, he's rhinoing. Uh, for the Warhawks, uh, when he's taking sides with someone like uh, Cheney, Liz Cheney, and probably her daddy, too. Probably he was friends with her daddy. I bet you that they, that they were probably really good friends, you know, uh, he and Liz Cheney's daddy. Uh, man, uh, you know, it makes you wonder, why would uh, President Trump get on a radio program like this? I'd never heard of this guy before. Um, uh, Hugh Hewitt. Sounds like, uh, sounds like you know, there, it's a little of, uh, what do you call it? Redundant there, right, Hugh? Hewitt? <laughs> Anyways, look at that face. Look at him. He's kind of like, um, I was a square blah my whole life, and now I get to talk about sports and act like I know what I'm talking about. Like, seriously, guys. Like, wow. Uh, but, but on the flip side of that, uh, he asked a lot of good questions that a lot of people don't ask and, and dug a little bit deeper uh, thereby prodding a little bit of more information out of President Trump, which I would say I I do like that. Now, uh, if you can get like a, clearly, clearly President Trump has a lot of grace uh, to put up with jackals like this guy, but he's, he's dealt with worse, honestly. But this guy, yeah, yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a big old chip on his shoulder. Uh, let's not let's not talk about her. You know, I like her. Uh, 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 we don't need to talk about that. I didn't see one statistic. Yeah, sir. Really? Okay. Anyway, so uh, he clearly has no interviewing skills or he knows exactly what the message is supposed to be and he knows what to cut off because clearly he's working for someone. Anyhow. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, that was a little bit of a different type of interview uh, with uh, President Trump than we uh, typically will see with Hannity, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, so there we go. Oh, I just lost my page. Okay, so now uh, let's see here real quick before we get on with our next story because we're about to move into it again. Uh, better lately, thank you for gifting the cookie, my friend. And thanks for coming out and hanging out with us in the C chats and your points of view as well. Um, uh, Babsy Ice Queen, good to see you, sweetheart. And also uh, thank you so show, show much. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Sean Joe, for uh, donating the cookie. Uh, CK uh, Whitehorse 180 for the cookie. Thank you again. Uh, Sean Joe for the other cookie. And also Napkinator79 for gifting the phone. Missing the boss right about now, he says. And as for everyone else who came to the chats, Gina from West Virginia, Tombstone, uh, all you guys out there, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Uh, Smee17, um, you know, just uh, checking out this long-lost interview until I can uh, I can rebound on the one that just came out that uh, doesn't seem to be available anywhere. Emmy Jaw, Emmy J, <laughs> good evening. All right. So, yes, indeed, uh, Hugh should get that booster shot. He should get the booster shot, and he should also take the uh, oral, oral applications as well. Uh, good luck with that, uh, Mr. Hugh Hewitt. Okay. All right, moving right along, we are going to get into this next story that I'm sure you all might be a little bit privy to. It was breaking today uh, that had to do with the Wuhan Institute of Urology. Now, before we jump into this, since we are going to talk about COVID-19, um, I'm going to share something with you guys that I thought was important. Now, please do keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, um, I am not a doctor. Uh, and I do not make uh, uh, recommendations for your health and well-being and continued existence. Um, you know, I do also a lot of uh, parsing through paperwork, information, reports, etc. Uh, to draw any type of conclusions that I have. But again, I am not a doctor. Um, for the, the next bit of information that I'm going to share with you all, I would highly recommend perhaps going to um, a website like americasfrontlinedoctors.org to get full information, um, as there are a group of doctors that basically work with and behind americasfrontlinedoctors.org. You can email them for recommendations or you can email them for medical advice, and those people can just duly give you that advice. Now, with that said, um, I received uh, I received a, an email today from a listener uh, that was quite concerned about uh, the entire ivermectin issue that is going on and around around and about throughout the world in the United States of America. Now, if you guys have been following uh, ivermectin since uh, the entire uh, concept of it launched, uh, you know we found that we had a whole a whole gaggle of countries from around the world that were actually using ivermectin to treat their patients and treat their people to cure or to uh, satiate um, the uh, the um, uh, the condition uh, that is brought on about by this COVID-19, uh, you know, man-made and gain-of-function created virus that has uh, uh, stricken the whole world by storm with the uh, with the efficacy and the deadliness of um, you know the modern-day flu minus seven in ninety percent, right? Uh, so anyhow, so ivermectin, you know, uh, they used it in India, they've used it in Brazil, they've used it around the world. Um, the doctors have prescribed it to patients in other countries for a whole host of reasons. Uh, but now there is this huge campaign uh, to basically uh, bring down the credibility of the effectiveness of ivermectin. I'm sure you all are uh, familiar with the stories, including, including 
you know, like it's going to make you poop worms. <laughs> Which I was like, really? It's going to make you poop worms? Uh, anyhow, um, let's see here. Uh, real quick, uh, Skeeter says, Mr. C, and don't forget about the high wire. It's not medical advice, but very informative. The highwire.com. Um, thank you for, uh, I know you guys have mentioned high wire before to me. I've never looked at it. I don't know who runs that joint, but I'll check it out for sure. Uh, thank you, Skeeter Burke, for, because it's an added resource, ladies and gentlemen. It's always good to have resources. Uh, but as I was saying in, in regards to ivermectin and uh, uh, currently the, uh, the mudslinging that's being thrown against it, and then also just gobs of information coming about, uh, coming out about ivermectin. Uh, ivermectin right now i received um i received an email communication from one of my listeners uh the listener who i will not name um is is in fact a doctor um they are a doctor um he's been on the show one time before um so basically i just want to relay his message to you all uh now again like i said you know i am not a doctor and um i did go through the um um frontline american doctors uh um or america's frontline doctors sorry their website looking uh to corroborate his information um but i was not able to find it so what i would say is uh um take this message um just as uh just as an advisory and absolutely contact America's Frontline Doctors or go to the High Wire where you can get some information. I would say go with America's Frontline Doctors just because uh, that this was what he recommended. And now um, what uh, what the good doctor said to me in his email communication was that uh, many people are dosing the ivermectin according to the instructions on the box to treat horse for worms. Okay. So um, uh, apparently what it is, is it's uh, misinformation or maybe not enough information that's going on with the use of, um, uh, with the use of ivermectin in regards to COVID-19. Uh, he said this needs to stop immediately. The prescribed dosing for ivermectin, according to American frontline doctors to treat COVID-19 is 12 milligrams per day for five days. Unfortunately, the horse paste does not give an accurate delineation of the milligrams per cc concentration. There are too many YouTube videos out there giving wrong information. Uh, oh, he's a nurse. I apologize, not a doctor. I am a nurse. And would you know they say nurses work five times as hard as doctors and they actually uh, do everything. So anyways, uh, it says, I am a nurse and have sworn my life to protect and serve our community to the best of my ability. Um, so the improper use of veterinary medication could land many people in the ER with major complications, which could actually go towards uh, the stories that we're hearing about ivermectin and its use from the mainstream, mainstream fake news legacy media. You know, so anyways, I just thought I would throw that out there since that was relayed to me. Like, again, I said uh, he's a nurse and uh, those were some of the specifications that he has found uh, to be accurate in his study. Uh, I am not, though. So I would highly recommend, you know, uh, either contacting uh, American Frontline Doctors uh, or if you know where to get that information on the proper dosage and it's been seen to be accurate, uh, let people know. Uh, because, um, um, you know, if we if we have this uh, horse horse pace again apparently you know i'm such a hypochondriac i'd probably just swallow the whole thing down no just kidding i'm just playing but anyways but yeah so anyways, i just thought i would relay that to you guys real quick since uh, that came through my desk today and uh also um oh wait 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 we have uh we have an objection here in 
We have an objection here in the chat room says negative. Don't do that. There's a body weight measurement. Okay. Well, get with America's frontline doctors. <laughs> That's why I said I am not a doctor. I am just relaying a possible message and hopefully we can parse through that. Don't speak to me of such people here. No, just kidding. Alex Jones ate some horse paste ivermectin on the air along with three milligrams of an ivermectin pill. Um, well, you know, I'm sure that Alex Jones and his oodles of uh, supplements uh, took care of the ivermectin. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I really can't comment about uh, dear old Alex, uh, Mr. Sean Jones. Uh, Sean Joe. Sorry, Sean Jones. My bad. Sean Joe. I really cannot. Uh, oh, sorry. I heard dogs barking. I was like, what are the dogs barking? I really couldn't comment on Alex Jones at this point. But good information. So now we have a couple of varied uh, viewpoints on this. OK, um, I, I'm, I'm sure that maybe one thing we could agree on altogether is that uh, there's a lot of bad information out there coming from YouTube and the likes and a lot of uh, crap information coming from uh, the lamestream, mainstream fake news legacy media. So uh, just thought I would relay that to you as it was a concern that came across my desk. And I knew we'd figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. But at least now we know, uh, you know, that there may be dosing problems with ivermectin. So uh, by all means, please do your research and seek, uh, seek, um, seek good uh, medical um, advice in regards to that. Okay, so all right, let's go ahead and get on with today's story. Uh, like I said, we are talking about the Wuhan uh, lab of lyology, as uh, Aurelius Locke put it in the chat room. And what's going on with that? So uh, as you guys may know, there's been a constant investigation about the source of the uh, Wuhan, China, Kung flu, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. Right. Uh, we're all trying to figure out where this thing came from. Um, we all know here in this community that it obviously did not originate from some bat in some swamp where people go fishing and take it to a market or something. I don't know what the heck, a wet market, um, you know, but as far back as March, ladies and gentlemen, we were reporting here at the Sea Report that uh, there was a link between Eco Alliance labs as well as the Wuhan lab in uh, shuffling and uh, money over to Wuhan by Eco Alliance by grants that they received from the government. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe that we are here in September? And I can take you back six months to a C report that we did where we talked about Eco Alliance funding the Wuhan lab by way of the NIH. Like we, I mean, we, I have the report. You can go look at the clip if you want to. But alas, I guess it takes a several FOIL requests and actual documentation to turn that theory into hard evidence that is actionable. The question, of course, is will it be acted upon? Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see about that in that regard. But for some people, for some reason, you know, when we, we come across theories like, uh, you know, the NIH giving grants to Eco Alliance that uh, funneled money into the Wuhan lab in China. Right. For gain of function, you know, types of uh, activities, um, you know, uh, we can't just go and kick down the door and take justice into our own hands. You know, some people be like, well, we've been talking about that. I could be like this. I could be like, I've been saying it since March. Why haven't they made any arrests? I could have said that in April, May, June, July, and August, because guess what, ladies and gentlemen, they had not done anything. In fact, uh, illegitimate joke Biden's administration just canceled the entire investigation, said uh, there's not enough uh, evidence here to be you know, concerned about it, et cetera, something to that effect. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, we have to have all the information. We can't just kick down the doors. We can't just arrest people. 
Lordy, how would you feel if they just arrested you on a theory? Well, you know, in fact, most patriots, some patriots have experienced just that. And it is unfair. Uh, but uh, unlike Michael O., we take the high road, okay? And uh, anyways, we're not going to get crass here. I, I I was really about to get crass with Michael O., but it's okay. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about these new documents that have been released to the Intercept a Journal um, and uh, what they found in a 900-page, um, um, like a sheath of documents that talked about the EcoHealth Alliance a United States-based health organization using federal money as granted to them by the NIH, it's all taxpayer money, of course, to fund coronavirus research and development, I will say development, in a Chinese laboratory. Now, way back in the day, you know, there was all this talk about, um, you know, uh, uh, it, it being in Virginia, which is what I heard is it was, it was developed in Virginia or somewhere thereabouts and then flown over to China for completion, you know. And maybe that's exactly what, well, when you think about it, guys, think about the, uh, con well, think about the conversation. Ha. Think about the arguments that's been going on between Fauci and Rand Paul, right? And, and Rand, uh, Fauci keeps telling Rand Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know anything that you're talking about. Maybe he's right. Maybe, in fact, uh, they were not doing gain-of-function research in uh, the Chinese labs in Wuhan. Maybe they did that in Virginia. And in China, they already had the gain of function. Uh, they just uh, had to, like, I don't know, like, uh, seal the deal. Maybe they're, maybe it was just a project of completion. Maybe Fauci's not lying. <laughs> maybe they already taken care of the gain of function. And in China, all it was was about is, uh, I don't know, weaponizing it or, or you know, uh, making doing something to that effect. I don't know. I'm just throwing these things out there, guys. But based on what we've seen through the uh, through the debates between Rand Paul and Fauci, and also what we now know from these documents that have been released through uh, a FOIA request um, by the Intercept, um, uh, most definitely we're seeing that uh, the case definitely is building. That there was money funneled by um, Eco Health Alliance through the NIH, a Fauci organization that authorized them to do gain of function research in order to uh, create a, uh, a, a virus or a sickness or a disease that indeed could jump from animal to human. It came from a bat. And uh, I mean, is there some kind of symbology there that it came from a bat? Anyways, uh, and uh, infects humanity with a, a planned pandemic which is what we're experiencing today. Um, anyways, um, so yes, uh, the, the uh, trove of documents uh, that they received from this FOIA request included two previously unpublished grant proposals that were funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, right, as well as a project update relating to EcoHealth Alliance research. Now, the documents were released in connection with an ongoing Freedom of Information Act litigation by the Intercept against the National Institutes of Health. All of these other organizations sit beneath the NIH, which is Fauci's uh, uh, a playpen, I guess you could say. Um, and uh, the Intercept is going to make all of these documents available to the public. Now, one of the grants, uh, this is that we're finding, uh, from um, uh, the NIH and EcoHealth Labs to Wuhan uh, was was titled Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence, okay? 
And uh, the outline of the document said that it was an ambitious effort that was being led by EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Dazak to screen thousands of bat samples for novel coronavirus. Uh, the research um, the research also involved screening people who work with live animals. The documents contained several critical details um, about the research in Wuhan, including the fact that key experimental work with humanized mice was conducted at a biosafety level three lab at Wuhan University Center for Animal Experimentation and not at the Wuhan Institute of Urology. So there we go again. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Fauci's like, no, Rand Paul, uh, we didn't do gain of function at the Wuhan Institute of Urology. We did it at the University Center for Animal Experimentation. You don't know what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> That's very well what he could, he might, be, he might not be lying, guys. He might not be lying, okay? <laughs> so anyways, sorry, guys, I was trying to do my best Danny DeVito impersonation and I just could not do it. Um, the documents raise additional questions about the theory that the pandemic may have begun in a lab accident, an idea that Dr. Dajak of EcoHealth Alliance has aggressively dismissed as false. Let's go ahead and put a picture of these fools on the screen. Okay, now the BAT coronavirus grant that was provided by the EcoHealth Alliance with a total of $3.1 million included $599,000 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology used in part to identify and alter bat coronaviruses likely to infect humans. Okay, they wanted to identify and alter bat coronaviruses that would infect humans. Guys, gain of function, right? They are going to put some gain on that function. Right? <laughs> They're going to make the function more gainly. Okay, even before the pandemic, many scientists were concerned about potential dangers associated with such experiments. But the grant proposal acknowledged some of those dangers, um, including field work uh, that involved the highest risk of exposures uh, to SARS or other uh, coronaviruses, and also working in caves with a high bat density overhead and the potential for guano dust to fall on your head and go into your nostrils. Be careful of that guano. Um, all right. So that was uh, something that we had found in this uh, in this trove of documents. Um, um, a molecular biologist at the Broad Institute uh, by the name of Alina Chan said that the documents show that EcoHealth Alliance has a reason to take the lab leak serious, uh, theory seriously. Uh, she said in this proposal, they actually point out that they know how risky the work is. They keep talking about people potentially getting bitten as if to uh, as if to speak it into existence. Right. And they kept records of everyone who got bitten. She says, does EcoHealth have those records? And if not, how can they possibly rule out a research related accident if they're keeping the records and uh, they're checking them twice? How can they deny 
that there is a possibility that this could have been a lab leak unless they're trying to totally uh, cover over it, whitewash it per se, not to be racist. And uh, that's exactly what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Now, according to a man by the name of Richard Ebright, uh, this man himself is also a molecular biologist, but he is a molecular biologist at Rutgers University. He said the documents contain critical information about the research done in Wuhan, including about the creation, the creation, not the evolution, the creation of this novel virus. He said the viruses they constructed were tested for their ability to infect mice that were engineered to display human type receptors on their cell. Um, and so uh, he uh, basically saw that this was a, a conjunctive point between uh, human and animal species experimentation and and realized that uh, these uh, human type receptors on the mice were uh, able to uh, be engineered to get infected with it. Um, and uh, let's see here, Ebright also said that the documents made it clear that two types of novel coronaviruses were able to infect these humanized mice. Um, he said, while they were working on SARS-related coronavirus, they were carrying out a parallel project at the same time on MERS-related coronavirus. And uh, he, was he was referring to the virus that causes Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. That's pretty, pretty, pretty scary, guys. Now, uh, the second grant that they had issued to EcoHealth Alliance in order to pass that money along uh, to Wuhan for development of the uh, coronavirus uh, was called Undertaking Risk, oh, I apologize, Understanding Risk of Zoonotic Virus Emergence in emerging infectious disease hotspots of Southeast Asia. Boy, that's pretty specific. And uh, that was awarded in August of 2020, and it extends through 2025. The proposal, which was written in 2019, often seems prescient, focusing on scaling up and deploying resources in Asia in case of an outbreak of an emergent infectious disease and refers to Asia as the hottest of the EID hotspots. So it kind of makes you wonder what they might have had planned between uh, 2020 and 2025. Now, let's not forget, had, uh, had that uh, traitor, had that backstabber, had that hater of humanity, President Trump, not created this uh, vaccine, right? We would have had no vaccine through 2025, guys, right? So, uh, you know, guys, we're a lot smarter than that. Uh, obviously, Trump has two thirds of America and the rest of the world to wrestle uh, in trying to do the right thing for the people. So, um, I mean, that says enough to me right there. They had awarded this grant between 2020 and 2025 with the uh, with the uh, the topic du jour being in regards to an outbreak in Asia. What do you think that they had planned? And if President Trump had not created this uh, vaccine, which we don't even know if it's the same vaccine that they're using now. I mean, uh, everyone seems to have the same consensus that they probably are using a totally different vaccine from the one that President Trump had developed. And we're not painting up Trump as some superhero megalithic god. And we're not, uh, you know, 
We're not uh, doing this whole cult of personality or I would get a uh, golden comb over. You know what I mean, guys? And uh, an orange tan. But what I am saying is that was a situation that seems to me to be planned, especially if they're already providing grant money for an outbreak in Asia. Uh, I, I mean, it just speaks to me like that was possibly a thing. And um, all of this would not have been slowed down at all whatsoever had we not had the introduction of this vaccine. And a man who keeps on taking, uh, you know, he keeps on taking uh, uh, credit for it. Well, let, let the man do it. After all, how, is, how else is he going to get the rest of the two thirds of the country on his side, you know, um, and uh, the rest of the world? He, he may as well play it up. That's kind of what I'm thinking. May as well play it up. Anyways, okay. I, I know that makes some people feel like there's no integrity, but uh, come on, guys. We're smarter than that. Oh, there's Mr. Rand Paul. Oh, yes. Yeah. So as we were saying, uh, you know, Rand Paul has been uh, basically uh, taking Fauci to task uh, to the point of, um, you know, um, uh, Fauci getting super uneasy in his chair, real squirmy you know, and, uh, and real sweaty and, and stuff like that. Um, Rand Paul has been definitely fighting for, uh, truth to out in regards to what is going on with the coronavirus, at least if not for some type of accountability, some way to hold people responsible. And then perhaps maybe from there to rectify the entire situation that they have wrought upon the entire world. Right. Um, and so um, uh, it's that in that regards, like I said, we've seen a round, Rand Paul spar a few times with Dr. Fauci. Uh, now, upon the drop of this um, this um, um, FOIA uh, documentation, these uh, grant monies and uh, etc., uh, Rand Paul, of course, was going to speak out about it. And uh, we got a clip for you guys here. We're going to check out for just a hey, come on now. Uh, over at uh, over at at uh, at Hannity's show. So uh, avert thine eyes if you don't like Hannity. But let's hear what um, what he had to say when he was speaking. Well, let's hear what Rand Paul had to say when he was speaking with uh, Sean Hannity. Senator, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Look, I want to go Absolutely. to the heart of this. You read gain of function. What the NIH definite definition is. And, you know, you take an animal virus, you increase transmissibility to humans, and that's gain of function. He denied that's gain of function, but that's what his own NIH defines as gain of function. Help me out with that. I think the reasoning behind him being so resistant, so livid, and so full of ad hominem is he realizes that once the public realizes that the NIH, under his leadership, funded the Wuhan lab, that is beyond question they did. The NIH funded the lab. But once the public figures out that they were doing very, very dangerous research there, gain-of-function research, taking animal viruses and making them more transmissible to humans, once everybody puts this together, he realizes where the blame is going to attach. He has at least tangential responsibility. If this came from the lab that he was funding, my goodness, can you imagine the moral culpability that the man has? But you also have to place this in context. Since 2012, he has said repeatedly that, yes, an accident can happen, but the research is worth it. Even if an accident were to cause a worldwide pandemic, the research is worth it. 
that judgment call is something that most Americans or people who have family members of the 4 million people who died would say, you know what, maybe that research isn't working. If this, if this contagion actually came out of a lab when they're doing this research, they also do this research in the United States. They do it in Galveston and in North Carolina. So this is a big debate, not just over blame, but over whether or not this could happen again in the United States. You, you have had a chance, as I have, to read the emails that were released from Dr. Fauci. He was told as early as January 31st, the day that President Trump put in his hysterical, xenophobic and racist travel ban that was brilliant 10 days after the first identified case here. Uh, but in that email, he was told it looked like a specific genome had been manipulated in a lab. What did the emails tell you? Then there was the back and forth. They seemed very nervous to me, read like a very nervous Dr. Fauci, worried about uh, possible monies from the NIH funding this. He actually talked, this is discussing this realize that these emails are frantic going back and forth at two o'clock in the morning he's still saying he's sending emails out the first email he sends to his assistant is one of these research papers with dr xi from the wuhan institute that is gain of function his assistant responds oh my goodness this is gain of function research it's like oh no they've discovered that this is going on we might have funded the origin of this virus so immediately they're circling the wagons they're having urgent meetings meet with me immediately he says to his assistant read this paper which is a gain of function paper he was alarmed, but then to his boss, he's putting on a different front and he's saying, everything's okay. It looks like there's no chance it came from the lab. Meanwhile, a virologist is sending him an email saying, four of us agree this looks like a virus that was manipulated in a lab. So yes, from the very beginning, I think he was covering up because he realized that there would be a great deal of culpability and blame attached to him if a lab that he was funding through the NIH turned out to be the source of a pandemic that caused four million people to die that could be the worst governmental decision in the history of the world you kicked off your questioning of dr fauci emphasizing federal law makes lying to congress a felony punishable by up to five years in prison is it your belief based on the evidence senator that he lied before congress and broke the law Yes, and I will be sending a letter to the Department of Justice asking for a criminal referral because he has lied to Congress. We have scientists that will line up by the dozens to say that the research he was funding was gain of function. He's doing this because he has a self-interest to cover his tracks and to cover his connection to Wuhan lab. Now, does he deserve all of the blame? No, there's still some conjecture as to whether or not it came from the lab, but he's lying about whether or not he funded gain-of-function research, and yes, he should be punished. Uh, last question. Um, you had withstood a lot of pressure, Senator. You, you were public that you had COVID-19. You have natural antibodies, even when the antibody levels and correct me as a medical doctor, when they decrease in your body, you have what's called T-cell antibodies that would recognize if you were once again in the future exposed to coronavirus, even one of the variants. Um, my question to you is, if we're following the science, it looks like you were right, because I, I think you'd agree with me, the Cleveland Clinic is a, a pretty well-respected medical institution, and the Cleveland Clinic 
did their own study and they decided and they came to the conclusion that if you have natural antibodies like you do, that you wouldn't need any vaccine. I didn't hear anybody say, wow, Dr. Paul was right. If you look at the Cleveland study, 52,000 employees, those who were not vaccinated but had had COVID previously did just as well as those who were vaccinated. So yes, the vaccine worked, but so does the natural infection. And here's the thing about the, the crazy left wing trying to deny natural immunity. Vaccines are based on natural immunity. We learned how to do vaccines once we learned that the body actually had an immune response that prevented uh, infection in the future. And yes, we have memory cells, both T and B cells that looked in the bone marrow. It's long lasting. For some diseases, like the Spanish flu from 1918, there are people that were alive until recently that they still measured immune responses in their blood 90 years later. Senator, I believe in medical privacy. I believe in doctor-patient confidentiality. The Biden administration has given a nod and an okay for corporations and schools and universities to mandate that people get the vaccine. Isn't that very different than what the American people were told that if you get the vaccine, you will be safe. You don't have to worry. You know, if there's any vaccine hesitancy, didn't it really come from Joe Biden, uh, fully vaccinated, socially distant, uh, outside, walking with a mask on, going into Jimmy Carter's house, an older person, and taking off the mask and taking pictures up close and personal? Uh, didn't, you know, what message is this all sending here? In a free country, individuals make their own decisions on their medical care based on their own risks. And the risks are frankly, you know, wildly different. If you're over 65, without question, I think the vaccine is much safer than the disease. And I would recommend vac vaccination. If you're over 40 and overweight, I recommend vaccination. If you're under 25, the risk of COVID is about one in a million, less than the risk of being struck by lightning. So if you feel that you want extra safety and you decide for your children, that's fine. But the thing is, is everybody should get to make their decision. What about the 15 yeah. year old kid who's already had COVID? We're going to make them get a vaccine. They had COVID like a month ago, three months ago. You're going to make them get the vaccine again. And our side effects related to people who have had the disease getting vaccinated. The CDC hasn't looked at that. Massive budgets, but they refuse to look at anything that has to do with natural immunity. Last question. As a doctor, um, I'm not qualified, in my humble opinion, to give medical advice to people. This has been my statement, and I've said it over and over and over again, although apparently last night finally people heard me. Uh, you can go to my website, Hannity.com, and see just a few of the hundred times that I've said it. Um, as a non doctor i am urging people take this seriously i don't want any more people to die uh i believe that people should if you have a phone you can do all get all the research on covid you want i think you should talk to your doctor your doctors medical professionals you trust uh look at your own individual medical history your current medical condition and make the right decision in consultation with your doctor but take it seriously um, as a non-medical professional, is that the right advice or should I be telling people what to do? When a free society is based on persuasion, whether you're a doctor or not a doctor, people have opinions and different doctors, frankly, can have different opinions. But in a free society, you get to decide. And people are smarter than you think. The but is my thinks, advice good? Am I giving well, good advice? Kennedy! Well,
Well, yeah. So Seriously? You to make your own decision. But my point is, is that the left thinks that the common man is too stupid to make his own decisions, so they want to make it for you. Every individual in a free society gets to make these decisions and evidence that people make good decisions. 85% of people over, seven, over 65 decided to get the vaccine. That's sort of a popular vote in favor of people deciding that it was a good idea. But it shouldn't be forced or mandated. In a free society, we all make those decisions ourselves. Senator and medical doctor Rand Paul, uh, you did a great job today. Hannity. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Sorry, guys, like, but but the, the most important question of the night is, am I giving the right advice that you should talk to your doctor? What do you think, Hannity? And why is that the cherry on top of this entire conversation? <laughs> Did we not just find out that the Wuhan lab was receiving gain of function, you know, uh, funding from uh, Fauci? <laughs> Did we not just find out that he lied? I mean, go oh my goodness. <laughs> Is this a dumb question or a retarded question, Mr. Paul? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then uh, what do you call it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, oh, man. Uh, just and, and, and everyone, I tell you now, uh, everyone, go, go, uh, go um, uh, shout from the mountaintop that we cannot trust Rand Paul anymore because he said the vaccine works. <laughs> That's it. He's a traitor. He's a traitor to we, uh, we, we people who uh, want America first, right? <laughs> to we who know better than. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Oh, man. That, that was an interview right there. Oh, we got some really funny interviews coming out nowadays, guys. Really funny interviews. Uh, really funny views. All good stuff. Good stuff in the chat tonight. Hey, Dragon Energy 45. How you doing tonight? Connie Ketchup. I see you there. How you doing? Um, let's see here, uh, real quick. Let me just jump in. I was looking, I was seeing some, some interesting things popping up and around here. Uh, let's see here. I'm following Dr. Zelenko's plan. I would do that too, actually. <laughs> uh, I would do that too. I would do that too. Uh, but you know, um, Aurelius Locke dropped a link in the chat, uh, to the frontline America's frontline doctors or, uh, in regards to dosing. <laughs> so, uh, that might also be helpful as well. Uh, it'll probably just break down to uh, gender, uh, height, and weight, right? And uh, maybe body fat or something like that. But anyways, uh, Skeeterberg makes her own colloidal silver. That's awesome. I have some of that, but it's not homemade. I use that uh, every now and again. Uh, let's see here. Um, <laughs> Babs Ice Queen says, always Virginia being bad. You know, uh, we've actually talked about Virginia a few times the last couple of weeks. Uh, talking about y'all's governor's race over there with Mr. Yunkin and Mr. McAwful. <laughs> uh, it's been good times, good times. Um, and, and then uh, uh, adds in Babsy Ice Queen, Maryland sucks. So I think the bad stuff is happening there, not Virginia. You know, between Virginia, Maryland and Wuhan, it's like it's like some triangle going on there. But uh, I actually have heard uh uh, quite possibly in Maryland, a lot of that developmental stuff was going on as well. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. I should do voiceovers. Thank you to speak uneasy. <laughs> uh, let's see here. And then um, the Broad Institute, isn't that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The Broad Institute says CMJ. Actually, uh, this is the whole reason why I was going into the chat. <laughs> CJM61 says the Broad Institute isn't that misogynistic? <laughs> Misogynist. 
that's what I thought too. And I was like, and her name was uh, like Julia Chan or something like that. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's Zuckerberg's wife. Anyways, yeah, the Broad Institute. Uh, and the man was at Rutgers. Mm, seems a little seems a little misogynistic and, and, and anti-feminist to me, too. See uh, CJM61. Indeed, indeed, indeed. All right. Uh, Just V, thank you for gifting the shades. Such a great show. I try my hardest. Uh, we're And we're almost done with today. We're just going a little bit into overtime. We're going to go into our last slew of stories. They'll come at you guys almost rapid fire. Because uh, we're going to talk about some of the trials and the tribulations. Well, we'll talk about maybe one trial and maybe one tribulation uh, that uh, is being faced because of this whole COVID crap and, and the resurgence of uh, the need to wear masks and uh, the demand for us to become inoculated against our will. Uh, but we're, we're going to specifically focus on areas where uh, people are fighting back. And it's through litigation, of course, uh, because that's really the only way that we can do it. Uh, after all, we're not free in real life, but we are free on paper. In other words, uh, if the globalist deep states really wanted to just come down on America and claim us as their own and not care what anyone thinks about it uh, or the optics of it, they could. Right. Because after all, they own like what? Ninety eight percent of our legislative body. And uh, what, probably like, I don't know, somewhere north of 70% of, you know, law enforcement and judiciary are all bought and paid for by them. All they have to do is uh, put out the signal and have China invade and, you know, and, and maybe maybe they have some of our army too. I would say they have a much smaller percent of our army, honestly, of the military, our armed forces, than they do of like the judiciary and law enforcement and the legislative um, but, you know, um, on paper, America is still free. And it's very interesting how something as symbolic, even though it's real, right? Um, it, it is a contract. It is a constitution. It is our rights, you know, and, and but it's it, but if you think about it, it's symbolic in the fact that they could just crumple it up and do what they want if they wanted to. But because of the symbolism of what that paper says, what it means you know, um, every gun that's hiding behind every blade of grass in America will come out and say, ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word, and they will not allow them to do that. And so that's why we say we are free on paper, because as of this moment, they have not written up a treaty or some kind of new constitution or agreement that says, uh, thou American people belongest to I, the deep slaver, globalist, to king, right? And I'm coming over to take take you over. Like they have not been able to do that because on paper, we're still free. Um, and so uh, that's why this long game is is a game of, of paper and willpower and litigation because they have to do it that way. It's the way that they chose to go. And maybe it's uh, maybe it's the civilized way to fight a war. After all, I do say sometimes that we are in a civilized revolution. It could become kinetic at any time. But uh, it is where we are right now. So uh, good evening, Sherry Pittsburgh. How are you doing today? You know, I think I did see Joy for Trump in the chat earlier. Sorry, sweetie. Did you mention that today is the last day that you're working and lurking? Ooh, someone's about to get her freedom. And hopefully a handful, if not a bucket full of blessings along with that. Um, okay. And yes, Hannity is indeed a goober. <laughs> Casual GG. Hey, sweetie. Didn't even know you were in the house. Good evening, my friend. Mr. C, you made me jump when you yelled at Hannity. <laughs> I was like, he's 
like, no, 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 don't, don't talk about that. Uh, Rand Paul, tell me if what I'm saying is real good advice. Get over yourself. Like, seriously, seriously. Like, uh, like, uh, is it good advice to tell someone to consult their doctor? Is that what I should be saying, Rand Paul? What should I be saying? I mean, come on, guy. Come on. Okay. Let's get, <laughs> let's get into our final stories for tonight, guys. Thanks for hanging out here at the Sea Report. Keeping a Tuesday night real. Because let me tell you what, like, ugh, Tuesday night, Tuesday daytime, the news. All the good headlines hit after I went on the air. We'll cover some of them tomorrow. Uh, and we'll give you a little bit more of a dig. We won't just... Uh, you know, uh, touch the surface of the headline. We'll, uh, we'll dig into some of the things that I was seeing that were coming up in the headlines tonight. Very, very, very much, uh, very much good stuff. Very good stuff. Very good stuff indeed. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Seattle. Now, this is going to be the only, uh, the only point of uh, consternation in uh, the story tonight about uh, places that are suffering because of this pandemic being forced upon all of us and, you know, basically trying to uh, force us to do their will and, and force us into this uh, slavery through this subtle, um, this subtle, uh, this subtle muzzlery that they're putting onto us. All of that good stuff, right? All that good stuff. They just love the deep staters and the elitists and the globalists and the socialists and communists and progressives. Now in, um, in the uh, state of Washington, most specifically in the city of Seattle, um, we're seeing yet another ludicrous thing happening. Now, everybody already knows the state of disarray that the city like Seattle and cities like Portland are going through uh, with the uh, the rise of the SJWs and little socialist progressive soy people, um, you know, that uh, their cities have fallen. You know, they've been pillaged, they've been burnt, they've been rioted on, they've been damaged, they've been broken, they've been spit on, they've been pooped on. You know, they've been they've been uh, made the, the ground for homeless people and and all of these violent and and uh, um, um, children who lacked punishment and proper supervision growing up spoiled rotten to the core who now go out and dress up like their favorite superhero in black. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they raise them up, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up, right in Seattle. It is, uh, one of the worst hit places for this type of a uh, devolution of the human spirit. And, uh, um, <laughs> did I just say devolution devolution of the, the de evolving of the, uh, human morality and spirit right over there in Seattle with all these SJW Antifers and black lives matter individuals, scallywags running around. Okay, now, and, and, and because of that, we have uh, the police force um, who has severely been uh, minimized in Seattle. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It, it wasn't just because of the Antifers. Uh, let's not forget about all of the bought out, sold out communist, socialist, progressive lawmakers and city council members and maybe the mayor of Seattle, who has already, you know, enacted defundment movements on the police, defunding their own police force and expecting them to still go and fix the problem when something happens. Now we have this that they're dealing with over in Seattle, and there's no telling what way Seattle will go after this. But uh, due to the fact that a certain amount of police officers there in Seattle, Washington, either refuse to get vaccinated or will not turn over their private medical data, they are, uh, they are facing extermination from employment, 
from the Seattle Police Department. Now, this is just as ridiculous as hospitals firing nurses and doctors in the middle of a pandemic. You're going to fire police officers in the middle of a city that's already burning to the ground. And you've already defunded half of the uh, the police force. And now you want to go ahead and get rid of more of them. It's ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. If they ever said anything about a Satanist world being backwards, this is ass backwards. And you don't walk forward with your butt, right? So apparently in Seattle, they do. They walk butt first into everything in Seattle. <laughs> and so anyways, according to a report from KTTH, KTTH, Seattle, Washington, uh, the Seattle Police Department has already lost approximately 300 officers since last year's push to defund the police, not including the ones that are just getting out because they're not going to allow themselves to be put in this type of danger when they have no type of support. Uh, just V says all those cops should quit. They could easily find jobs elsewhere. True that just V. And what would, uh, what would uh, Seattle do then? Right. Uh, all the uh, lawmakers, well, you know, the lawmakers and the city council people and the mayor would all have hired armed guards. But anyways, uh, getting back to this report from KTTH Seattle, Washington, Again, they already lost 300 officers approximately due to defunding efforts against the police department. But now um, the uh, Seattle P Police Department is staffed at record lows that they have not seen since the 1980s. Makes me wonder what was going on in the 1980s in Seattle, Washington. But um, let's see here. Uh, the report went on to say, Many times there are only about 70 officers patrolling the city on any given night. This is, uh, and that's not including, you know, pit stops and donut stops, right? This has helped lead a surge in violent crime with the city on pace to break the 26-year homicide rate set in 2020. Um, with just over 1,000 deployable officers, the city is about 300 to 500 officers shy of where they hope to be. City workers um, are um, reportedly being required to get vaccinated against this coronavirus by October 18th. Uh, so that is something that they're facing. They're facing termination. Um, and uh, let's see here. According to the report, the city of Seattle says uh, full vaccination against COVID is a condition of employment, regardless of one's age, risk factors, or prior infection. You know, there's just a point where reason is lacking, you know, uh, when, when they can say, we don't care if your, uh, you know, your, your pre pre-existing conditions, uh, uh, mean that getting this, uh, inoculation has a risk factor that will endanger your life from existing, you know, that we're still going to require you take the jab. Like, where did we lose that part of our brain? You know, to say, wait, if uh, they could die from taking the jab, why would we make them take it? Um, anyways, I know you guys, th these questions have probably spilled through your minds dozens of times. Um, but anyhow, um, um, the uh, spokesperson for the mayor, um, that is Mayor Durkin, Durkin Durkin over there at uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, said that uh, she is hopeful the that terminations will not be necessary and all unvaccinated employees choose to get vaccinated. Okay. 
Um, the city and the Seattle Police Officers Guild have been negotiating the terms of the vaccination mandate. Um, and uh, they have a union president uh, who's speaking out for the cause of the police officers and so that they don't lose their jobs. Another point of consternation. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're seeing this across America. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is happening to people that we know. Um, but nevertheless, you know, we will continue to press on. We will stand ground with integrity and we will continue to fight the fight. We will not let it get to uh, the rates that we have seen over in Europe. It just cannot get there. Um, so saith I, Mr. C, here now on this, the seventh day of September 2021 at this 9.54 p.m. Central Texas time. We'll not get to that. Now, why is this skag on my screen? Well, of course, if some of you guys recognize this skag, it is uh, none other than Governor Flusher Down, Kate Brown, right? And uh, here's a little bit of good news. Uh, now, okay, so maybe this news is good is not set in stone, but it's something. It's showing that people don't agree with these overreaching, uh, you know, um, uh, mandates and regulations, these... Uh, these points that take away our freedom of choice and indeed our freedom in toto. Um, or, um, Oregon's governor, flusher down Kate Brown, is being sued by the Oregon State Police Officers and the firefighters over the state's vaccine mandate. Now, keep in mind, uh, uh, flusher down Kate Brown had just um, signed a mandate requiring them to wear masks everywhere you go again, right? Uh, but now also they have this entire vaccine mandate upon, again, uh, federal employees or, or government workers um, where they have to, they are, they are, um, they are uh, to, to be vaccinated by the will of the state. The lawsuit, uh, which takes place in Jefferson County Court, seeks to block the state's overreaching enforcement of Brown's executive order that mandates all employees of the executive branch to be vaccinated against coronavirus. And uh, this order goes into, was signed on August 13th. August 13th is when Flush Her Down Kate Brown signed that order. Uh, the plaintiffs argue that the order is unenforceable because it conflicts with Oregon statutes would result in a common law wrongful discharge of the plaintiffs. It conflicts with the Oregon Constitution's guarantee of free expression. And it also, most importantly, conflicts with the United States Constitution's guarantee of equal protection, free ex exercise, and due process. Uh, the complaint was first reported by KOIN in Oregon. A spokesperson for Flush Her Down, Kate Brown, told the news outlet that the governor is responding to a public health crisis. Uh, it's amazing that they didn't think about this a long time ago, right? That as long as everyone's health is at risk, we can go ahead and just force everyone to do this kind of thing. Um, I guess they had to take our privacy rights away first, right? 9-11. <clears throat> Anyways, so um, the complaint alleges that state law prohibits employers from requiring workers to be immunized as a condition of employment unless otherwise required by a federal or a state law. Uh, the lawsuit further alleges that the lawsuit, force it, uh, force it, the lawsuit forces workers into an untenable situation one in which they are forced to decide between their livelihoods and vindicating their statutory and constitutional right 
is unconscionable and wrong. And I would definitely agree with that. We'll see where that happens. Flush them down, Kate Brown. Looks like you would slip right down one if they uh, yanked that chain on you. Um, all right, let's move away from Oregon. Where are we going next? To the state of uh, Arizona and the city of Tucson. What is going on over there in regards to vaccine and uh, mask mandates? Well, it appears that also, also, the Tucson Police Officers Association has decided to sue the city over vaccine mandates. Now, interesting enough, some of y'all might be aware, um, uh, the state of Arizona has an EO, much like Texas, where you cannot mandate a vax or a mask. Uh, but the city of Tucson, which I understand is a pretty liberal place, has decided that uh, they will enforce this anyways. So in response to that, the Tucson Police Officers Association sues the bee. Uh, now it says the union covering most officers of the Tucson Police Department is suing the city, the mayor, and the city council over its policy requiring city employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. In a lawsuit filed in Pima County Superior Court, the police, uh, the Tucson Police Officers Association argued that the new policies against state law and the city violated its contract with the union in instituting this policy. Now, Mayor Regina Romero, I guess I'm just kidding. It's probably Regina. It's probably Regina. But uh, Regina Romero and the city council passed the measure in a six to one vote. This past Friday, during an emergency meeting, the police requires all employees of the city of Tucson to be vaccinated against COVID-19 or face a five-day suspension. In the lawsuit, the uh, TPOA, Tucson Police Officer Association, argued that the policy is a change to the terms and conditions of employment for TPOA's members. And such a change requires a good faith negotiation as between the city of Tucson and the uh, Tucson Police uh, Officers Association prior to the enactment. So that's pretty interesting. You know, um, they're finding one way, right? They're finding one way to fight this in Tucson. Uh, a technicality as derived between the contract between you know, the police officer and firefighters union and the city of Tucson, a very good effective way, I would say. I mean, it's kind of like, well, we have this agreement, right? That's one one way to get at it. Uh, but to the luck of the Tucson Police Officers Association, even through this litigation by way of uh, contracts between union and municipality, it appears that the sleepy bear, oh, big bear himself, uh, Attorney General Bronovich of the state of um, uh, Arizona, oh, Big Bear, hey, Big Bear, what's up? Uh, he has deemed that the Tucson vaccine mandate is a violation of law, and he demands that the municipality of Tucson reverse his course. So uh, very good. So let's talk a little bit about what A.G. Bronovich found to be the case in uh, defending the rights of the citizens of Tucson in the state of Arizona. Um, big old sleeping bear, A.G. Bronovich, determined that Tucson's ordinance requiring city workers to get vaccinated for the coronavirus violates state law and is in direct conflict with Governor Doug Baducey, Ducey's 
executive order. As such, his office is ordering the city to rescind or amend the order or risk losing millions of dollars in state funding, officials announced on Tuesday. So um, apparently, and I guess we still need to see where the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is going to go with this, but it seems that uh, threatening to withhold funds can be pretty effective or at least an option worth considering. Now, Branovich's office announced an investigation into Tucson's ordinance last month as the city of Tucson is requiring city employees to get vaccinated for the uh, coronavirus. At the time, the city announced the city employees would need to show proof of vaccination or risk five days of suspension without compensation. Employees who refuse to do that risk a higher insurance premium. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put you on suspension without pay, and you're gonna pay a higher insurance premium. Is another trick in the book that we are seeing. Uh, oh, pardon me. Oh, pardon me. Sorry, it's getting late. These corrupt agencies use now, um, according to a press release from Attorney General Big Bear uh, Branovich. Uh, he said Tucson's vaccine mandate is illegal and the city could be held liable for attempting to force employees to take it against their beliefs. He said COVID-19 vaccination should be choice, not a government mandate. Well said, Big Bear. Well said. Now, officials at Branovich's office reiterated the attorney general's belief that the coronavirus vaccine should be a choice, not a government mandate, saying the legislature's intent was clear when it passed Senate Bill 1824 this year. Now, Senate Bill 1824 is a bill that specifically bars local governments and the state from imposing vaccine mandates, although the law does not go into effect until September 29th. Now, officials of the city say um, uh, in Tucson specifically that it is also in violation um, of, the, of the officials of Branovich's office also say in regards to the city of Tucson that they are in violation of the governor's executive order, which prohibits localities from implementing vaccine mandates. So there you go again. You have union contracts and you have executive orders and Senate bills that they are using to fight these mandates. Uh, and we will try and stay on top of uh, these stories to see what, where they go moving forward. Because after all, Sorry, Just V said that Jan is contagious. Yeah, well, at least we know you're not a serial killer, Just V. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they say if uh, someone yawns and you're present, and this is the uh, generic you, not the specific you, and uh, you're present, uh, it means that you may be a serial killer or a sociopath. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so uh, yes, uh, here again, we have guys uh, instances where we'll see if they can uh, protect our citizens from these overreaching mandates, um, whether it is regards to VASC or to mask. But indeed, uh, considering that this is a medical emergency, it's a health emergency, lives are at loss, think about your neighbors, you know, uh, we'll see where these go. That takes us over to this doofus here. Uh, this doofus here is one Governor Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania. You guys might know him as one of the uh, one of the Governor Five who uh, sent uh, sent COVID-infected patients into their nursing homes, thereby causing this uh, COVID uh, nursing home COVID nineteen death scandal. Now we see that in the state of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, um, Pennsylvania lawmakers and parents are suing the pants off. 
Governor Tom Wolf in regards to the school mask mandates. Now, a group of Pennsylvania parents and Republican state lawmakers filed a lawsuit on September 3rd challenging the school mask mandate imposed by the administration of the Democrat Governor Tom Wolf, and they are seeking an injunction against the order. To that effect, Tom Wolf said, it wasn't me, it was our acting Secretary of Health, Allison Beam. There's the fool herself. Now, why is it that all of these uh, secretaries in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania seem to be acting? We have the acting Secretary of State, Veronica de Graffenreid. We have the uh, acting Secretary of Health, Allison Beam. And we have uh, the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary acting like a woman. Uh, that would be uh, one, uh, what, was, what was the name of that thing again? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Oh my goodness, you guys knew I'm talking about Victoria Millie's buddy from high school that they played football together, acting like a woman. They're all acting over there in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What's going on with that? Anyway, so uh, the acting uh, Secretary of Health, Allison Beam, who is also being sued by the plaintiffs, argued that Beam did not follow state law in uh, issuing these mask mandates that require children to wear them in public and private schools. Uh, the lawsuit also claimed that uh, Governor Wolf's administration circumvented Pennsylvania's new limits on the governor's emergency powers. Um, so interesting, uh, interesting. Uh, um, apparently, the people of uh, Pennsylvania managed to uh, put a limit on emergency powers for the governor, and uh, he circumnavigated around it. Anyways, uh, the governor's spokeswoman dismissed the lawsuit as a Republican effort to undermine public health, right? They'll always go back to that partisan uh, argument. And uh, Pennsylvania Senator uh, President Pro Tempore, Jake Corman, who is being held under that magnifying glass right now. I swear, Jake Corman, if you end up being a big old shill rhino like we think you are and you give us a sham fraud in the state of Pennsylvania... I will adjust that magnifying glass so that the sunlight hits you directly. And you know what that does to a tweed jacket. Okay. All right, Jake Corman. Okay. Anyways, uh, Senate President Pro Tempore, Jake Corman, and State Representative Jesse Topper um, um, are also lead plaintiffs in this lawsuit. The other plaintiffs include two private Christian schools, Calvary Baptist Church and Hillcrest Christian Academy, and parents from three public school districts. Sounds like a class action to me. The parents assert that they will send their children to school without masks since Beam's order is illegal. Now, Beam's executive order goes into effect on September 7th, which is the first day of school in Pennsylvania. And students, teachers, and staff will be required to wear masks regardless of vaccination status. So we'll see what happens there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now, piggybacking on top of this lawsuit against the Commonwealth in Pennsylvania, the Amistad Project is also involved in a similar, if not the same, lawsuit uh, against uh, this acting Secretary of Health and, uh, you know, Governor Wolf and his administration. Uh, so we will see where that happens, but they are at, le at least we're seeing, you know, the long game going against these people and uh, they're trying to stop them. 
they're making efforts, you know, to bring some kind of uh, constitutionality or common sense back to these fools um, who, who managed to look so smug behind their muzzle. I don't understand either. She's smug behind her muzzle or she is just hung over from last night's party. But anyways, that takes us to the final story in regards to the fight against these overreaching COVID mandates, these authoritarian, totalitarian um, 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 dictates that they want to force upon us. And uh, this one comes to us from the University of California, Irvine School of Medicine. Okay, and here we see that the University of California doctors are challenging its COVID vaccine mandate as being irrational. Go figure, right, ladies and gentlemen? Now, the University of California, Irvine uh, School of Medicine psychiatrist and medical ethicist, a man by the name of Aaron Cariotti, is suing the university system to recognize his natural immunity from COVID-19 recovery and he's also getting help from some of the his fellow UC medical professors. Now, the UC system's 90-day medical exemption for recovered faculty is not supported by scientific data and underestimates the durability of natural immunity, which is far better established than for COVID-19 vaccine-induced immunity. Um, six faculty wrote in a declaration in support of Cariotti's motion for preliminary injunction. Cariotti is facing a ban from campus and his teaching duties this fall under UC's new policy unless he submits and takes this forced inoculation against his will, against his better judgment, against anything that he stands and believes for. That's according to the federal suit, at least. Um, this is despite the fact that there are no documented cases of reinfection and transmission to others by naturally immune individuals. Kind of like some of the stuff we've heard about, kind of like some of the stuff that has been mentioned even in tonight's report, wherein natural immunity is far more effective than um, COVID-induced immunity, which also turns you into a COVID-making factory, which is why we have the Delta and the Mu variants now. The Mu, Mu variant. Like, yeah, they want everyone to say Mu, the Mu variant, right? It makes us look like a, uh, make, we already look like a herd, right? Okay, of sheep. Now they want us to sound like cows, okay? So anyhow, um, uh, as I was saying here, according to this uh, article, um, uh, again, people's natural infection, I mean, natural immunity, uh, far more likely to be reinfected or to transmit. And uh, all of these rules and regulations that UC California is trying to implement don't even regard that. Uh, they don't even regard that. Now, Cariotti's complaint cites a five-month Cleveland, Cleveland Clinic study. I think we just heard one egotistical Egomaniacal Sean Hannity mentioned the Cleveland Clinic study, wherein 1,359 previously infected employees uh, in its health system found that none who remained unvaccinated had been reinfected. 1,359 previously infected employees found that none who remained unvaccinated were reinfected with COVID-19. 
<coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> that is to say, <coughs> pardon me. <clears throat> excuse me, I think I have COVID for the sixth time. <clears throat> Wait, that can't be true. <laughs> you know why that can't be true? Because if you have natural immunity, there is no such thing as a breakthrough case. <clears throat> that is what the Cleveland Clinic study has gone on to prove through their study. There's no such thing as a breakthrough case if you have natural immunity. You get the vaccine, you're going to have a breakthrough case, and you're also going to infect your loved ones with COVID-19. It's going to be all your fault because you were dumb enough to take the uh, vaccine in the first place. Now... Because uh, Cariotti is already naturally immune, um, he's less likely to infect other individuals other than people who have taken the jab, right? Uh, and that's what, the, uh, that's what the suit argues, that the only people that stand to be reinfected are people who have been vaccinated. Cariotti asked the federal court in Santa Ana to analyze his equal protection claim under strict scrutiny meaning that the University of California system has to show both that its vaccine mandate satisfies a compelling government need and is implemented by the least restrictive means. And uh, that's basically where that boils down to, ladies and gentlemen. Cariotti did mention this first in the Wall Street Journal in an op-ed in June. And uh, he is also made claims about uh, these mandates violating post-Nazi Nuremberg Code. And ladies and gentlemen, that is something that is most definitely on the minds of us all as we see um, the lawmakers and the law enforcers reach over and grab us just to stick a prick inside of us. And that's going to conclude the C-Report for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't think we were going to go into overtime tonight, to be quite honest with you. But uh, what can I say? It gets very fun with you guys hanging out. And uh, I just feel the spirit. And I got to keep on going. Hope you all had a great night tonight. Enjoy the show. Thank you for hanging out, hanging around, and always coming back. If you want to support the C-Report and like programs on this channel, please do spread the word. Uh, you know, drop the foxhole.app link uh, over in, um, you know, uh, uh, various social media platforms. Uh, find an episode of you that you like of the C-Report over at pill.net. Click on that episode, copy and paste that URL code and spread it around, ladies and gentlemen. Um, or just send uh, people over to the pill.net C-Report account page or profile page. I guess that would be uh, the same thing. Uh, by clicking on the C, uh, the Mr. C channel uh, over at pill.net and copying and pasting again that uh, <laughs> copying and pasting that uh, that URL code. Spread the word. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, your gold pill donations are much appreciated. Thank you again, uh, Sean Joe, for gifting that cookie over here. And uh, yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, always a great time. Uh, Casual GG, Two Rivers also in the house. Uh, CJM, Sherry Pittsburgh, Just V, Aurelius Locke, uh, The Speaking Easy, I'm sure you're still out there, Pilled by the Rabbit. Thank you all for hanging out tonight. Anyone else who I'm missing? Cat, uh, Curious Cat, what's going on, Curious Cat? Good evening. And uh, indeed, Aurelius Locke, keep your prick away from me, Tony. And anyone else who might try and jab me with their prick. All right, let me release the scratch-offs before we get too crass and belligerent here at uh, on, a, on a Tuesday night, right? 
Can't be doing that, ladies and gentlemen. Can't be doing that. But I'm glad you guys enjoyed. Uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, on news days like this, I never know exactly where it's going to go, but I appreciate you guys hanging out. And again, you'll have a great night. I have released the scratching. I think I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it to start uh, seeing the gold boxes scroll. Um, but yes, uh, we'll see what's up for tomorrow. I'm thinking tomorrow, just so you guys know. Babs, the Ice Queen, thanks for hanging out, and it was good to see you again, sweetie. Do do come back and hang out sometime. Um, and hugs all around, ladies and gentlemen. Hugs all around. Uh, tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, I'm kind of thinking we are going to do an international episode. Um, we've been doing them on Fridays, and I've been most definitely uh, considering... Uh, moving that day because uh, Friday, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm checked out. I'm sure you guys are checked out. And if we have a heavy news day on Friday, cause we skipped it on um, some, uh, we have a, uh, wait, if we have no, wait, wait, international news reports are always kind of heavy because we're learning new things. We're taking in other perspectives um, and, and we're going to other countries. So um, Friday's probably not the day. You know, uh, like uh, what was one of those shows uh, on Friday? I think it was maybe like two weeks ago. I was like, oh, this is so much information. And I was just like, I want to go home. No, just kidding. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we'll probably do international news tomorrow. Um, I want to figure out what the heck is going on over there in Brazil. I'm sure you, some of you guys have heard about it. I'm hearing mixed reports, to be quite honest with you. I think Guinea is the place that we actually had the uh, coup happen not in Brazil. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, yes, indeed. Thanks again for hanging out tonight. I hope you guys had a good time. I know you did. I did. And thanks. Uh, it's always a pleasure being in y'all's company. Now, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you again tomorrow for an international news episode of the Sea Report. Till then, be safe, be blessed. And as always, God bless America. Have a good night, y'all.